down to business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Anybody move, I'll blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, oh my god. I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Well, then this calls for the old Billy Barul. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Alright. It is Friday. It is nighttime. It is THT Movie Review. I am Boxman. And I actually have Anthony with me. I can see him. He's awake. He's laughing, making noise. Um, I, hopefully, he had some coffee. <laughs> I'm then, back from the dead, folks. Back from the dead. Dude, you must have been exhausted, bro. Yeah, that's one of those things, man. I, I, I Yeah, I apologize for that one in all seriousness. Because ah. normally, like, sometimes, you know, you start the show late. You're a little, like, a little sluggish. But normally, as the show gets going, you know, I get my second win, but for some reason I couldn't I couldn't find it last week. Oh couldn't find it. Either that or my sweet, sweet voice just put you right to sleep. I think that's what it was. No, but yeah, well I don't know. <laughs> It'll be a little while down the road, but we're definitely gonna do a redo on Dazed and Confused because that is one of my favorite movies. I like and I want to add a little more commentary uh... on my end. I like how you dodged that. You, so my sweet voice did not put you to sleep. Is basically we, by dodging that you were saying no, that ain't fucking what happened, white boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah. that was a, that was a smooth no sell box. Smooth no sell. <laughs> oh shit! Well, hopefully this movie will keep you awake. Um, 
we're doing Wall Street, 1987. We're doing the original one. Um, I'll be honest. I have not seen the new one yet. Have you seen the new one? Uh, not yet, but after uh, rewatching this one, I, I have to check it out. Yeah, I agree. And I've I've watched this one a a ton of times. B, I've watched it within the past. It's been on my TV, so I've been watching it. Um, and I I breezed through it a little bit today, but uh, definitely an excellent excellent movie. Um, this movie is a uh, it's based in 1985, uh, loosely based on the junk bond uh scandals of 1980 of the 1980s uh you know the high yield um bond. basically the movie boiler room is is based on the same thing but updated um i mean we reviewed wolf of wall street same concept uh they're selling you know fucking abc company trying to make it sound like it's the next, you know, Apple computers. And really, it's shit. What it is, is it's junk bonds. It's companies that are trying to raise capital to either, um, you know, go public or to uh, maybe a merger, maybe. Do, but they're trying to get money, and you don't even know you know that you're giving these guys your money they you think you're investing in them turns out you're really just giving them your money but um you know f i've i've said before one of my uncles you know went to jail over this shit same same thing wow was it in the 1980s no. if you don't mind me asking no it was in the late 90s wow it was in the late '90s, and uh, but it was the same scam. He 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 basically ran a boiler room. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, he made his money, but um, kept his money. But he made his money, and um, you know, he he did well for himself. But yeah, he did end up doing five years. Wow, and. uh Along the same lines, you know, you, you mentioned Wolf of Wall Street. We're doing Wall Street tonight. Mm -hmm. the, uh, one of these weeks, I don't know. You're familiar with Enron, right? Mm -hmm. They did a documentary. It's not really a movie, but mm -hmm. along the same lines of the junk bonds, we should probably review this documentary sometime down the line. I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. Also, to anybody that's listening right now, it's called The Smartest Guys in the Room. I believe it's on Netflix. Oh, it is. I actually, I actually had the uh, DVD. I have a DVD of it, but yeah, uh, yeah uh, check it out on Netflix when you get the chance. And it's very fascinating stuff. It's basically the same concept. Mm -hmm. Enron was basically uh, built on a house of lies. Right. Yeah, Not, nothing was really. You were investing in something that didn't really exist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, this was the. I mean, this is the original Ponzi scheme here, basically. You yeah. Know, this is it. Um, except, I mean, this isn't, this is almost the same thing. It's not really multi-level marketing, but technically it is. You're, <clears throat> you get someone to sell your stuff and then they sell your stuff. And then, you know, you create, what you're doing is you're trying to create your own market by doing this. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's, you know, like I said, the movie Boiler Room goes very deep into how it works 
how a boiler room works, how these guys do. Um, you know, I mean, they're selling some companies that barely even exist. And, you know, they're selling them like it's the brand new, you know, the, 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 like, oh my God, it's fucking the new Microsoft. You know, but they're fucking bogus companies. Um, and again, like I said, the movie Boiler Room, which I definitely want to get to one night. Um, oh, we will. Neon Long's in it. Fine ass uh, Neon Long's in it. So, yes, we will get to that. I assure yeah. you. <laughs> that is an excellent, 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 amazing movie. And um, I, 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 what's that guy's name? Giovanni? Paul Giovanni. Is that his name? He's in um, a new show on Amazon Prime that I want to start watching called Sneaky Pete. Hmm. I just started playing with Amazon Prime because I didn't realize my fiance has an account and paid for it for a year. So I'm sitting there watching. I'm seriously considering getting rid of my cable. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I'll be honest. I'm, I, I cut the cord years ago. I mean... If between YouTube and you know the wrestling networks and Netflix and Hulu, you you really don't need cable. No, yeah, I, I mean I'd probably watch more without it, but I didn't realize every TV show my kid watches is on Amazon Prime. I might have to switch over to that to myself because as much as I like Netflix, the only thing I don't like is once you get into the mode of binge watching something or even if you like to just watch it periodically mm. they always take once you get used to it they take it off and i understand why they i understand the method behind the madness they want to keep you coming back plus they also want to have like certain shows in their back pocket but man it's a fucking son of a bitch well cuz they, they'll just pull it without warning well no they really don't actually if you go to um I mean, uh, Uproxx always has articles, what's coming up on Netflix this month, what's leaving Netflix this month. Ah. Um, you need to keep up with it. And if you follow them on Facebook, they'll actually put a list out usually on Facebook, too. Uh, ah. But the best place to do it is go to, uh, like I said, Uproxx or uh, with Spandex. They both okay. They both put out articles on what's coming up. But Hulu, I'm dumping fucking Hulu. Ah, yeah, I'm dumping Hulu. (laughs) So, are you going to upgrade to Hulu Plus, or you just say fuck Hulu? We have the Hulu Plus. We have the 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 expensive Hulu Plus, the one without commercials. I'm 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 I'm, 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 I'm getting rid of it completely. Yeah, I, I don't need it anymore. I think Amazon Prime is better than Hulu. Netflix. I got a few things I still want to watch on Netflix. Maybe I'll see what I can uh, <clears throat> get, and then maybe I'll dump Netflix. But I have about uh, 50, 60 movies on my list to watch. But, yeah, sometimes I'll pull up my list and be like, where the fuck did that go? Like, I'll tell you the truth. I used to put on the um, Road Warriors video, ah. and I would just go do shit around the house while that was on. Love doing that. I put that on 10, 15 times, just walking around the fucking house, cleaning the house, doing stuff with my kids, cooking, whatever I was doing. And then one day I looked for it, and it was gone. It was gone. I was having... <laughs> That's how I felt when they took away a different world. Because, I mean, I, the, now that I sit here and think about it, I do know the list that you're talking about, the Uproxx thing, mm-hmm. but I had totally forgot about it. 
Because I was in the middle of binge watching Different World, and then one day I went on there, I'm like, the fuck did it go? Bro. And I used to watch NYPD Blue on there. Seasons one through four. Oh, I'm not. And it's gone. Gone. Yeah. Uh, Person of Interest, uh, that's where I first saw, watched that show. I believe it's gone, too. But, I mean, I understand. They, they're they trying to refresh. They don't want to... I mean, if... And I'm sure they have, uh, you know, like we always talk about viewership. They know what people are watching and what they're not. You know, they they probably have a standard. If it's getting this, you know, this number, then bye-bye. Got to go. Got to go, got to go. Or they might even have a time limit on stuff. I don't know. Yeah, or, or, you know, I guess in defense of Netflix, you never know. It might be a rights issue. Like whoever owns the rights to whatever show they put on there or movie or whatever, yeah, they might only have, they might only have it for a limited amount of time. Mhm. 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 obviously, like if it's a show like throw a show out there, if they got like Seinfeld up there, obviously they don't own the rights to Seinfeld, but they might they might have had at least to them by whoever owns the rights to the footage right now. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. I never thought of that. That's that's that could be another. Uh, that's a great reason. Um, and probably one of the reasons they're putting out so much um, original material now. Yeah, and that's their saving grace with me, man. Because you know they got the Glow series, they got a uh, Fuller House, which let's be honest, Fuller Tits is a better name. I've seen uh, both. I've seen both seasons already. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I saw. We might have to review. We might have to review those shows just for the tits. I saw them when they came out. <laughs> like the first week, me and my fiance binge watched them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this show has its moments, but man, Stephanie Tanner grew up, didn't she? Mm-mm-mm. Did she? And since I was, since we probably would have been roughly the same age when I was when the show was originally on, I don't feel like too much of a creep. You should though, because you were probably what in your mid twenties when Full House was still on. Yeah, but I didn't think she was hot back then. Now she's yeah, hot. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> I mean, DJ, I always was like, DJ's kind of got a little cuteness to her, but I was never like, I'd fuck the shit out of her. Um, obviously, the Olsen twins, I didn't want to bang back then. Um, yeah, maybe lower, but not you know. But you're not that bad. Uh, they, they, they were <laughs> no. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they were right up the king's alley. But as for the uh, Wednesday show. <laughs> puppies. All right. <laughs> Puppy, no, at that point, they would have been like pups. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what you would call a, a six-year-old. Pubes? Pups? Dude, they were younger than six. They were little babies on that show, dude. Yeah. Little, tiny, little babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All jokes aside, they were like fucking, they grew up literally in front of America. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them. Most remember he had the mullet when the show first came on. He had that mullet for a good two years, first two or three years of the show, I believe. Oh uh, shit, man! John Stamos still gets work because of that show. Fuck it. Hey, and yeah, I can't even hate on a guy. Hey. Only still a fucking pussy magnet. My mom loves him from General Hospital when he played Blackie. Yeah. yeah. That's how far back my mom remember. My mom will always mention it. Every time she sees him, I remember him on General Hospital. And, and God bless the guy. I don't, I'm not sure how, exactly how old he is, but he, he looks ageless, man. Like Out of everybody from that show, he hasn't really aged that much. He still pretty much looks 
the way he did back then. You get, except you can see like you can tell he's older in the face, but not by much. No, no, I was just watching. Um, what was I watching last week that he was in? What was that fucking movie? Uh, oh, my big fat Greek wedding too. Mm. Yeah, I like those movies. Those 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 are decent movies. Anyway, <laughs> we probably should get back to this movie. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we were talking Wall Street, and right before me and Anthony jumped on the air, we were looking at, um, you know, the reception, the box office for it, and uh, this movie did well. Um, it did decent its first weekend. Uh, $4.1 was the gross for the movie, uh, you know, gross profit for the movie the first weekend. Went on to make forty three point eight million. Now it says in North America, so yes. we're not getting what this movie did overseas. You know, I would assume it it, it would probably match that, if not more, overseas. Oh no, without question, absolutely. And, and keep in mind, this is forty three point eight million in nineteen eighties in the nineteen eighties. This was 1987. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, if you had to do a rough a ballpark, what would that be in today's dollars? Oh, 43.8. That's I I hmm. maybe about seven eight seventy eighty million. Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, tickets are more expensive, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Def, I, I would go that probably, probably seventy seventy five. Maybe eighty, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say it's a fair assessment. Now, like, like now, like, you know, on that same note, this movie came out in nineteen eighty seven, and obviously, we're not going to get we're not going to get too political here because. But uh, do you think this movie would do well thirty years later or twenty years later? Well, in modern they, times, well, I mean, they just had the 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 sequel to the movie come out and it did well yeah i think this movie is, is i mean i'm not gonna lie this movie could use a little bit of a remake um this may be the worst acting daryl hannah has ever done in her career i was just about to ask if you are a daryl hannah fan i am day. I am. She was great in Splash. And, um, you know, I, I love that movie. But this movie, she was bad. She was horrible in this movie. And it's funny. Um, first of all, a lot of people told him, don't get Daryl Hannah. She's way miss, uh, you know, this is not the part for her. You're wrong in this. And a lot of people told her to use, told uh, Oliver Stone, who, by the way, Oliver Stone, writer, uh, along with Stanley Weiser, Oliver Stone and is also the director. This movie has Oliver Stone written all over it. Um, by the way, this is the only Oliver Stone movie to have a sequel. The wow. only Oliver Stone movie to have a sequel. Um but they were trying to get him to get the girl who played um, Kate Gecko, Gordon Gecko's wife, Sean Young, who, if you're going, hey, who's Sean Young? Lieutenant Einhorn 
from Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Uh, everyone should know who Lieutenant Einhorn one uh, was. So um, that's her. And everyone was telling him, you know, sh- you miscast those two people. Darian, you know, yeah. Daryl Hannah should have been the, you know, barely a part in the movie. And Sean Young should have been the other part. So, yeah. But he, yeah, um, and it, it was not a knock on Daryl Hannah, but she was too, at least for my taste, she was too smiley because the character she was supposed to be like a conniving, vindictive mm-hmm. bitch. Well, and you didn't get that vibe, at least I didn't. No, I mean, Oliver Stone later admitted that everyone involved with the movie told him Daryl Hannah was miscast. He was, too, he said, I was just too proud at that time to replace her, caused tension on set. Um, Charlie Sheen hated her. There was supposed to be a scene in this movie where Charlie Sheen um, ended up cheating, uh, ended up with Gordon Gecko's wife, having an affair with her, which would explain the 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 hatred he had at the ending scene. We're gonna get to it, everything, but this is a uh, but. He the reason they pulled it is because Charlie Sheen hated hated Sean Young in this movie. Um, actually, here I'll give you the quote: Charlie Sheen and Sean Young didn't get along at all on set. It got to the point where Sheen, uh, Charlie Sheen, actually stuck a piece of paper on her back that said, "I'm a cunt." Nobody on set pointed it out to her wait a minute this is this is shocking mm. Charlie Sheen had a problem with a, a co-star of his uh, well what's that the funny thing is everyone had a problem um uh, you know I mean everyone had a problem with her from it, from it said so it says right here from the beginning Sean Yang kept telling Oliver Stone she should play Darian and Daryl Hannah should be fired um, Daryl Hannah was recommended was recommended by a few people on set but friends of hers um, you know but it didn't go well that she was literally lobbying to have Daryl Hannah thrown off the state thrown off the set uh, I guess that's a no-no in Hollywood, which that's not surprising at all. But yeah, I mean, there was. A, I'm not. I think. I mean, this is already a two-hour movie. I don't know how they would have fit that in. And 1987 two-hour movies were kind of rare, you know. But it, it's Oliver Stone. I would say him and Francis Ford Coppola set the standard for testing your patience with movies and, and run times. Oh yeah, Oliver Stone loves doing long. I'm a long. Matter of fact, I was watching any given Sunday today. Um, and again, we all know Oliver Stone. He's somewhere in all his movies. Uh, he does have a very minute cameo in this movie. Um, I'll point it out as we're going in the movie, but. Um, you know, yeah, this movie here, though, again, we kind of said it's loosely based off of the uh, the junk bond, high-yield scandal, you could even call it, um, that uh, happened in, the, in 1985. Um, so, but the movie basically takes, uh, 
go ahead and just give a little uh, little little roll through of it. Um, basically, the movie is Bud Fox. Bud Fox is played by Charlie Sheen. Um, he actually is uh, his father in this movie is Martin Sheen. Um, he had a choice between to pick between his father and Jack Lemon. Charlie Sheen did and chose his dad. Oh, it was actually a little odd because everyone knew that there was a little bit of tension between them at the time. So, yeah, they've had an obvious. I mean, obvious, no secret. No, no, but uh, and this isn't the first movie that they've starred in. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny. I always remember the part from Hot Shots, part duh. Where they're coming down, you know, he's got that Rambo thing going, and uh, he sees he sees Charlie Martin Sheen coming down the again. The, the I loved you in Platoon, <laughs> or no, 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 it was um, not Platoon. Um, God damn it! Um, the other war movie. Shit! Fuck! I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Fucking Robert Duvall. Fucking uh, starts oh, with an A. Shit. Starts with an A. I'll um, get it. I'll get it. Give me a give me a couple minutes here, and I'll I'll fucking guess it. Oh shit! That's killing me now. <laughs> I know it's killing. So me. Why are you looking it up real? Quick? I'm actually. Why not... you bring, Why you looking for that? I want to. Bring... No, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go, go, go. Now, we have another quick point. Um, Before uh, they settled on Sheen, you know who else was in the running for his role? Apocalypse Now. Sorry. Go ahead. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise was up for this role. Would have been a very different movie with him in it. Um... I got to tell you, I think this is Charlie Sheen's best role. Yep. Ever. And, uh, is ever? That's, that's this, pretty high praise. I think this movie is his best role ever. I mean, I'm not saying his acting was, you know, top notch, but this role, it just sort of fit him well, and he played it incredibly well, I thought. Yeah, and I'm actually going to uh, steal a quote here from uh, Oliver Stone. Something I've kind of said in the show, but it's said better here. Stone liked the, quote, stiffness of Sheen's acting style and used it to convey Buzz naivete. Well, uh, I've mentioned from time to time, you know, you notice how, like, Charlie Sheen generally plays like this. He plays himself in every role. Only thing that really changes is his name. Yeah, and, and exactly. We, we did say this during Men at Work, but... I mean, li- I mean, just I mean, listen to what IMDb IMDb says right in the beginning: a young and impatient stockbroker willing to do anything to get to the top. I mean, that's kind of Charlie Sheen right there: a young and impatient act. Just replace it with actor: young and impatient actor willing to do anything to get to the top. <laughs> that was that, that was that's almost too too prophetic. <laughs> yeah, see what I mean? IMDb would just. Nailed it in many ways. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, yeah and, and and this is not a knock on Charlie Sheen. I, I've enjoyed a lot of his work over the years. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, he has a very specific cadence to his roles and how he talks, 
and it, it it doesn't seem to change from roll to roll. No, no, not at all. The only role that I, I and you know what I, I I'll I'll say the second best uh, movie I like him in uh, role wise is uh, Above the Law, Beyond the Law. Beyond the law, yeah, I don't know. he was yeah, little with, chubby. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That was with a good him one. and Michael Madsen, that's a true story, by the way. We've we, we've talked about this movie a little bit before. I that's another one we must get into. Uh, I, I love talking true story movies. Love talking true story movies because you can really talk about it like it's real. You know why? It is. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, real quick to backtrack. Mm-hmm. The movie you were talking about, I think it was Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Yes, it was. It was Apocalypse Now. That was the movie. And uh, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't see that movie till about four years ago. Wow. Because mm. that movie's right up your alley. I figured you would have saw that as a kid. Love war movies. Just never really saw that movie. But that is a intense movie B you have to be in the mood to watch that movie you know it's one of those um but yeah, yeah really good movie deep intense movie though but um you know this movie's kind of the same way deep intense movie um god we got to we, we got to try sticking to the fucking movie uh real quick before we stick to the movie there is an NYPD blue tie in at one point in the movie he he gets a hooker from Mr. Gecko, played by Michael Douglas. The hooker is uh, Andrea Thompson, who was Detective Kirkendall in NYPD Blue. Not just one episode, 77 episodes. Ah, so she was a recurring character. She was a detective with the uh, 15th Precinct. She was right in the 15th Squad with everybody. Um, ended up sort of becoming uh unknowingly became dirty and had to uh had to flee but um yeah 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 good good NYPD blue that, that's a strong NYPD blue tie-in right there but again I mentioned this on the show about a couple of months ago watch this movie a thousand times never realized that was her wow I was feeling that too. Like I, I noticed a few uh, people in this movie that I didn't even I didn't even pay attention, and I didn't realize it was them until like today when I was rewatching it for the uh, for the show tonight. Well, I mean, it's like you know, you see that movie and no one realizes that um, John C. McGinley, Franklin Clover. Yeah, and John C. McGinley, he's still doing shit today. I mean, you know, the, come on, that's the guy that was in Scrubs and. He's been in a ton of... Tamara Tooney was in this movie for a little while. We mentioned Sean Young, uh, Franklin Culver, Jefferson's mm. Tom Willis. Uh, How fucking Holdbrook. Oh, that's another one. The man. Uh, who's some You're more in here? Nice. Yeah, who's some more in here uh, that's notable? Terrence Stanton. Uh, Terrence Stamp is in this movie. Also, he was, um, I mean, he was the, uh, Terrence Stamp from, uh, what am I thinking here? Young Guns. The first Young Guns. He was in that movie. Uh, James Spader. Mm Mm-hmm. James Spader's in this. 
And the, uh, the, the Seinfeld guy, is it Josh Mantel? And I'm looking for the the uh, the revolting blob from <laughs> Billy Madison is in this movie. Uh, <laughs> what's that guy's name? <laughs> what's, I'm going to have to go to Billy Madison. It'd be easier to get his name. He was the principal in uh, Billy Madison. Hold on. It'll be easier. Uh, but yeah, he's in this movie. He doesn't have a big role, but he's definitely got a... I believe his name... You know what? I know his name. His name is Ollie. Give me a second. I can find him by Ollie. That's what I'll do. Just had to remember... That's another name. one we're going to do one day. Fucking, um... Josh, Josh Mostel. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and he's he's done a ton more things than this, but that's I would say his main role people know him for is uh, principal, whatever in um, Billy Madison, the one that was horny. Yeah, that's another one we're gonna have to get to on the show. Yeah, he was horny for Billy Madison actually. Yeah, creepy. And also, like, yeah, 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 he might, he's a, Adam Sandler's a big fan of that guy, because he popped up in a few of his movies, he's in Billy Madison. Big Daddy. He had a little role in Big Daddy. Yep, he was the, uh, the social worker in Big Daddy, or the case worker in Big Daddy, that's right. Yeah. He was in, what else, what other Sandler movie did I see him in? I think that's the two that I've, that I remember. Those are the two I remember him in. Yeah, it might have just been those two, but I just remember him in like a. He was um shit, uh, one of my favorite movies, underrated, The Chase. Ah, he was the cop in the car with Henry Rollins. Holy yeah. shit, you're right. Fucking city shit, city slickers. How the fuck Sick. did I forget he was in that? He was the ice cream guy in City Slickers. That's right. Yeah, this yeah. Now, yeah I'm looking at his uh his uh track record here. Oh, he's had a, all yeah. the way back to 1971. Yeah, he's had a lot of uh, a lot of good roles that just, you know, he's one of those actors you just, unfortunately, you kind of forget about him. Unfortunately, but yeah, good actor, really seems like a really good guy, which is probably why Sandler likes him. Yeah, and he's one of those guys you won't know him like when somebody mentions the name Josh. Mostel, but once you see him, it's like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, that dude. You know, you know what he is. He's like a minor. He he's another Dom DeLuise type. A lot of people don't know who Dom DeLuise. Which how can you not know fucking Dom DeLuise? But that's another uh, story. People from the eighties know Dom DeLuise because of the Cannonball Run movies. They those Cannonball Run movies back in the eighties were really big. The older generation, like people like me. Know who Dom DeLuise is? Yeah, but it, but it, once again, he's one of those people. Like once you see him, like oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. By the way, one of his sons was uh, in NYPD Blue. Hit it. Who is it? Um, Dom DeLuise has two sons. I don't remember which one was in NYPD Blue. Give me a second. I'll figure it out. Uh, he played Andy's kid, Andy Sipowitz's son. Uh, here, Andy. If I type in Andy Sipowitz, scary. I know how to spell Sipowitz, isn't it? 
I shouldn't know how to spell the last name Sipowitz. This was, um, give me one sec, I'm pulling it up right now. Who was that? Who was that? I know it was, because one of Dom DeLuise's son was, sons was in the original 21 Jump Street. And, uh, let's see, give me one second here, I'll pull it up right now. Michael DeLuise. This was Michael ah, DeLuise. Cool. Yeah, his other son was, uh, doesn't do much. He's done some Disney stuff, though, which, that's always good fucking money. So, but yeah, he was in, uh, he was in that. And his other, I think his other brother might be Robert DeLuise. I think. I don't know. Nice. I could be wrong. But anyway... Let's fucking roll into this movie. We're fucking like, uh, you know, we're 35 minutes in and I don't think we've mentioned the movie but like three times. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, it'll make sense by the end. We're tying everything in, folks. Oh, we are. Um, again, this movie, of course, starts out. We're talking about stocks and junk bonds. Of course, this movie takes place in New York City, Wall Street, 1985. Um, like old blue eyes. Yep, like every fucking movie uh, that starts in New York, they show scenes from New York: the bridges, the tunnels, the ferry, the subway. Uh, pretty much every movie in New York shows this. It's how it's how every New York boiler room does the same thing. Uh, New Jack City even does it. It's the, it's the same shit everywhere. Yeah, New New York. I mean, I'm obvious. I'm not a New Yorker, but New York as a city as it has its own distinct style. Its own. It's, it's a character in every movie it's a part of. Mm-hmm. New York itself is a character. You could just take a camera around New York and you can make a movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, kind of, uh, the, it, you really could, and people have, um, you know, movie starts out with, you know, Bud Fox, like we said, Charlie Sheen kind of, uh, trying to get to work, trying to get to Wall Street, the busy streets of New York, the subway, <clears throat> like I said, pretty much every New York movie starts out the same way. Yeah, um, that elevator. <laughs> Oh, the elevator! I got claustrophobic just watching that. <laughs> the elevator! I you ever seen? That's it's horrible. It's like when they do those. Uh, you see the videos of them, like like Hong Kong. They're like kicking, like shoving people in the trains. Yeah. Oh, that does not look like fun to me. But um, yeah, so you know they're showing Wall Street, all the trades going and. You know, they're running a boiler. Hey, I'll just give you an idea of, you know, kind of what's going on here. Just uh, play a little bit for you here. We cleared up to 60,000 GC at 48 and a half. Yes, that's right. 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 Renner. Yeah, here's a hot lead. Research is with Bristol on the recommended. What? Yeah, dump it for Christ's sake. Let's yeah, go. 30,000. 3-8. I go along at 23. You got it. Just a bullpen of guys just taking orders, running orders. 
<clears throat> these guys are pretty much they're not the lowest they're not on the you know down there on the trading floor but they're pretty low on the totem pole these guys again this is kind of the junk bonds they're trading the the worst of the worst and uh, you know it, it shows the usual 1980s guys bad suits but they're pretending to make money uh, <laughs> you know um, but uh, you know the one call Bud Fox always yeah. makes though is to his whale now, everyone knows what a whale is in the casino industry. It's the exact same thing in the stock business. It's the big guy that can afford the 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 rich, big, badass dude. And uh, that's what he's looking for. And his guy is Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas. Um, absolutely. This, uh, Michael Douglas was king in this movie. Yes, this is probably he's a good actor, but to me, if if you really want the one role that defines like what makes Michael Douglas Michael Douglas, watch this movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, and you know, it's funny they said um, he had to do some work because of the. I mean, you know, if you watch Michael Douglas, his delivery is kind of slow. Uh, they actually had to send him to, here you go, give me one sec here, let me pull up the, uh, let me pull up, Michael Douglas, uh, first of all, he modeled the performance after his, uh, real life friend, Pat Riley, who was obviously the head coach of the Lakers at the time, but, um, he actually had to uh he was smoking two packs of uh, cigarettes a day at the time so he actually worked with a speech instructor to work with his breath control to help him with the rapid dialogue that he had to give in this movie because he was smoking so much that's dedication bro very much so yeah he now let me ask really... you though, do you think this is more dedicated than allegedly? I want to put that out there. Allegedly. Hmm. De Niro doing lines of coke and proper I want to say it was for uh Godfather Part Two. Yeah, this is where you start using excuses for doing coke. Uh <laughs> he was young, he was in his prom, he felt invincible. Yeah, I just figured I'd do a little to feel how it felt with the part. Yeah, right, Robbie. Hey, hey, hey. hookers and blow. Hey, we were all young once, right, Box? Yeah. Once. You're still young. Damn it. <laughs> I'm yeah. old and decrepit. Yeah, yeah. I'll lay off the hookers and blow by the time I'm like 35, 36. Slow there it down. <laughs> Probably a good idea. You know, good limit. Good limit. Um... Let's see, where else are we at here in this movie? Uh, and, you know, uh, Bud Fox's boss is Hal Holbrook. Uh, no, it's not. It's uh, James Karen. That's who it is. And sort of a douchebag, kind of telling him, you know, do what I'm told, do what you're told, stop doing this. And a lot of the guys are telling him that, you know, there's no shortcuts and they can see Bud's looking for a shortcut. He's broke. Um, his friends are lending him money to get by. 
uh, Bud Fox, Bud is, uh, you know, taking money. And, um, but yeah, they're all trying to go through and just every stockbroker is trying to make the big bucks. Um, you know, they're trying to get that one account. That's all they're doing. Hey, let me play a little bit of this here. Hold on. Here. Could have been my money. <laughs> here, 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 rookie. Let me help you out. I got Casino. Thanks, Marv. I'll make it up to you. Yes, I am still here. You know what my dream is? It's the one day be on the other end of that phone. Oh, you got it, baby, where the real cheesecake is. Hey, bud, you forgetting something? The gecko phone call? Buddy, buddy, when are you going to realize it's the big game hunters who bag the elephants, not guys like us. Gordon Gecko. Oh, Gecko. Gecko is beautiful. 30 seconds after the Challenger blew up, he's on the phone selling NASA stock short. Mr. Nice. Guy. Yeah, but 47 million he made on the milk. 23 on the Imperia deal before he was 40. Yeah. That makes. Um, point out something real quick. This movie takes place in 1985. Challenger didn't blow up until 1986. Ah. So he, there's no way he could have sold the NASA stock, and the Challenger couldn't have blown up yet. <laughs> Maybe the movie knew more than we did as a a society. Who knows? Ah, or maybe they just fucked up because they it was the '80s and everyone was coked up anyway. Um, I would go with that <laughs> one to be honest with you. But yeah, the Challenger blew up in. Um, I want to say April 86. I'm not 100% sure, but I know it was 1986. Uh, I don't know about you, but I I was we were watching it in school. Teachers were like, we're going to watch the shuttle take off, and then it blew up. Wow. Oh, you weren't born. What the fuck am I thinking? No, I, would pro- I probably would have been, you said April, I would probably would have been like just, just uh, a couple months shy of my one-year birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were watching that in in class, in school, when that blew up. I remember. So I'm, I'm curious, though. The movie came out in 87, though. That means they probably would have been filming it in 86. It probably so happened. The timeline matches up. They probably mentioned it because it happened. But, yeah. But again, this movie's set in 1985. It didn't happen until a year later. That's what I'm saying. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and the time, yeah, the timeline of the movie. Right. I mean, I'm, they, thinking, uh, I mean, the, they I'm even, thinking of real time, but the timeline of the movie, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, even right when the movie starts, it shows 1985. You know that they they stamp the year, and they're a year off. But the movie was made, you know, put out in '87. It was probably happening during filming, and that's why they mentioned it, maybe. But uh, I'll play a little more again. You know, he's going for that gecko call. Just listen to a little sweet talking that these guys try to do to the secretary to try to get through. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what uh, what I want to do there. Here you go. 20 times what Dave Winfield makes in a year. And he talks to everybody. And he had an ethical bypass at birth. Hello, Natalie. Guess who? That's right. Every day I say to myself that today could be the day. So what do you say, Natalie? Will you marry me? Uh, and can you please get me through to Mr. Gecko? He concerns his future. Of course he's busy, and so am I. Five minutes, that's all I'm asking. Mr. Fox, I've told you before, I'm sure you're a good broker, but our traders deal with the brokers. Mr. Gecko only deals with investment bankers. Will you at least tell him I called? There are big, big yes, changes I should give him your message. Leo, I understand that, but you have to realize there'll be major subordinated debt involved. 
Yeah. There you go. And that's our first look at uh, Gordon Gecko, the uh, the whale. Uh, then we get Bud. This is where he finally meets up with his dad. His dad owns, uh, not owns, owns. His dad works for an airline, Blue Star. Blue mm-hmm. Star? Blue Star. And, um, you know, he's uh, he plays the hard-working type of guy, uh, you know, real blue collar when, uh, you know, Bud Fox, Bud, his son, is out there trying to make, you know, a quick buck and make it fast. Just total opposites. Um, I guess we can play a little bit. And by the way, he can't stand when he's uh, his dad smokes every time he sees him. I guess we can play a little bit of this uh, of the first meeting of these two because this was the first movie that they were together in. Yeah. So we can play a little bit of this. What the fuck? All you guys on Wall Street are millionaires. When you can make us all rich, huh? You're gonna open an account to win the lottery. Yeah. Look, you give me 15 grand, I get you a condo in Florida next Christmas. Sure, 15, we're 15, on the airline by then. If he's gonna make anybody rich, let him make himself rich so he can pay off his school on it. <laughs> nice to see you in such a good mood, Dad. What'd Mom do? Give you fish for dinner? You're smoking too much. How many times you gotta go to the hospital to realize? Leave me alone, will you? It's the only thing that makes me feel good anymore. There you go, Frank. All set. Spaghetti. Your mother still makes lousy spaghetti. It's called pasta now, Dad. Spaghetti's out of date. Yeah, so am I. You want a beer? Billy, bring a Molson light for the kid, will you? Good, huh? It's terrific. Carl, we're gonna be at the bar. All right. All right. All right, All right, Charlie. Molson Light. They're drinking Canadian beer, bro. What? Drinking, yeah. That's strong beer. It is a... It is, very much. It is. I'm not really a beer drinker, but yeah, when I did try that one, it was, yeah. I can't even it got, get... Like, it got a lot of kick to it, I'll say that. Yeah, can't even get Molson here. Can't even get... You can get it in Florida, but you can't get it here. I haven't even seen Molson here. So. Are you a Molson guy? I like it, dude. I I've I like Lowenbrow. You probably ah, I, like I can't I can't find it here. Well, let's narrow it down. What would you say is the best class of beer you have in Texas down there? My, I mean, I don't know. My personal favorite's Coors Light, but that's just because I got used to it. But I mean, we can get all the Heinekens and stuff like that here, but. We don't. I have never seen Lowenbrow, and I always think of Lowenbrow. Whenever I see Lowenbrow, I think of the um, movie Vacation, right when Christy Brinkley is, you know, seeing Chevy Chase and he's dancing with the sandwich. If you look, yeah. in his, if you look in his hand, he's oh, the beer he's drinking is a Lowenbrow. Ah, it's got the foil around it and everything. It's a messy beer to open, but yeah. I always think of that movie whenever I uh, whenever I used to drink it. I would laugh thinking about it. Do you get Coronas down there? Oh hell yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. That, that's a beer that I can drink all day, especially ice cold. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I can, I can, I can drink a twelve pack of Coronas without a problem. Do you do you do the lime or do you just drink it straight? I don't do the lime. I've told you before what that lime is for, right? I don't believe so. You might have. The 
in Mexico, the reason they stick that lime in their beer is so the flies will have somewhere to land on instead of the the actual top of their bottle. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason it's there. We shove it in our beer because we think it's cool, but really they put it on their beer because they don't want flies landing on their fucking rim of their bottle. Aren't we fucking amazing? But no, I prefer just Corona straight. I don't like the, uh, I don't need the lime in there. I'm good. I'm good without it. Good without it. But uh, let's play a little more of this little meeting between him and his dad because it sort of sums up the the polar opposites that these two are in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, because uh, uh, Brad does go through a character uh, shift, so definitely um, a moral shift, a a, a a moral shift. I would call it. He does. He. He completely does a 180, but this sort of sums up exactly the, the polar opposites that they are, you know, 10 minutes into the movie. So here we go, a little more of this. So, you look like you've grown another inch, but you don't look so hot, buddy. You're trying to get bags under your eyes like your old man. Yeah, a tough day. Some jerk DK man, I gotta cover his loss. Speak English, will you? DK didn't know who I was when the options he bought took a bath. Bastard reneged on that. Yeah. I told you not to get into that racket in the first place. You could have been a doctor or a lawyer. If you'd stayed at Blue Star, you could have been a supervisor in customer relations by now instead of going off and being a salesman. Dad, how many times I got to tell you? I am not a salesman. I'm an account executive. Pretty soon I'm moving to the investment banking side of the firm. You get on the phone and ask strangers for money, right? You're a salesman. Dad, it takes time. You got to build a client list. I'm doing that. You know, I can make more money in one year as a broker than I could in five years at this airline. Thank you, Billy. Thanks. I don't get it, kid. You borrow money to go to NYU. The first year out, you make 35 grand. You made 50 grand last year, and you still can't pay off your loans. Where the hell does it all go? And 50K does not get you to first base in the Big Apple. Not anymore. Look, I got 40% in taxes, 15 grand for rent. I got school loans, car loans, food. Park my car. That's three bills a month. I need good suits, 400 bucks a pop. So come back home and live rent-free instead of that roach-infected place you're living in. $50,000. Jesus Christ. The whole world's off its rocker. You know, I made a total of $47,000 last year. That's before taxes. That's Queens, Dad. A 5% mortgage and you rent the top room. Look, I gotta live in Manhattan to be a player. There is no nobility in poverty anymore, Dad. One day you're gonna be proud of me. You'll see. It's yourself you gotta be proud of, Huckleberry. How much you need? Can you spare 300? I'll pay back next month, I promise. I don't know if I got that much on me. Come on, not in here, please. So there you go. I mean, you know, it, it shows, you know, his dad is the the hard working, you know, doesn't mind working for a buck. Will will, you know, nothing's beneath him, no job. And, you know, he's trying to get his son to be the same way. But his son obviously wants the the quick, fast buck in the uh, in the stock market. And in the 80s, man, this was like. You want to talk about the fucking Wild West. Wall Street was yeah. a wild fucking West in the 80s, man. Yeah, no regulations. It was like, wow. Well, Dude, were, that's the read, like... Well, they were still regulated, but 
It was, but it, it was like a lot of things flew under. Right, there were ways around things. You had to do something stupid to get on their radar, which he does. We'll get into that in, the, in later in the movie, but you had to be really stupid to get on their the the, the fucking radar. So you know, but um, and and he does, like I said, he does do something incredibly stupid, which we will get to, but. Uh, you know, after that little scene, though, we cut to another scene, and um, we get the uh, 1980s computer. This is what would happen on your computer in the 80s if it was someone's birthday. It would make this noise. It is Gordon Gecko's birthday, and... Uh, Bud is determined to see him. Um, I mean determined. He goes to this guy's office with a, a, a gift under his arm and waits. Doesn't go to work. He waits. You know, it's 12 o'clock. He's calling in. And anyone who knows, you know, the market is, uh, I believe, 8 to 4? 9 to 4. It's not nine to five. No, the market I believe is nine to four o'clock. <clears throat> I believe I could be wrong. Someone in the chat can correct me. What I can't see it, but they can correct me. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> um, he waits and waits and waits and finally gets his five minutes with Gordon, and I. We can go ahead and play some of this. Let's go ahead and play some of this because this is this is great. And if you watch the movie Boiler Room, um, this is the scene that they're all crowded in. Uh, what's his name? Uh, James Con's son's house, and uh, they're all sitting in there watching this movie and quoting it word for word. Uh, you know, Vin Diesel has a scene where he, uh, you know, stands up and does the whole thing without looking at the TV and shit. But here yeah. we go. This, um, you know, Gecko's on the phone when he walks in the office and just, and, you know, I'm going to start right where Bud says something in the mirror because this is something that, uh, here, I'm going to start right here. Here we go. Five minutes. Well, life all comes down to a few moments. This is one of them. You've heard... This has been loosely said in a few other movies and quoted in a few other movies. Um, it's it, it, But it's one of those things that was quoted a lot in the late 80s after this movie came out. That, that was a big fucking quote. It was even in commercials in the eighties. Put it that way. Um but Well let me ask you, like I mean let me ask you. I mean this might be a weird question for you, but when did you first see this movie? I I, I assume it wasn't in eighty seven, eighty eight. No, I would say probably like ninety three, ninety two maybe. I was still in high school when I saw it. 
Yeah, it was I'm, I'm trying to see, like, you know, how. I'm just trying to gauge how relevant it still would have been by that point, by the time you first saw it. Because well, I feel like even, like, 30 years later, almost, I feel like this movie is still relatable and still relevant. Oh, this shit still happens today. I mean, companies still get busted for insider trading and shit like that today. This still happens, dude. Yeah. All I, kn- I knew, I knew uh, <laughs> the. <laughs> The FCC and the SEC. I knew they wasn't fucking around when they fucking went after Martha Stewart. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like when Martha Stewart go to jail for something, you like, yeah, they ain't fucking around. <laughs> nah, they wanted to make an example of her. They really did want to make an example of her. Doesn't she have a show with Snoop Dogg now? I'm not even sure. Or is that Paula Dean? I don't know. One of them has a show with Snoop Dogg. Well, it can't be Paula Dean for obvious reasons. Hardy, har, har. I think it is Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg have a cooking show. And then I'm going to have to look this up. <laughs> have to look this up. Um, but here, again, I want to play the meeting he has with Gordon. I'll break it up. It won't be that bad. But just like I said, this if you watch Boiler Room, this whole scene, they just rattle it off completely. So here you go. I'm looking at 200,000 shares move, pal. I want to look for part of it. We better be, and I'm going to come down and eat your lunch for you. Back to two, Alex. Sorry, Jeff. Look, I love that at 40 is an insult at 50. They're analysts. They don't know preferred stock from livestock, all right? So you wait till head south, then we, uh, we raise a sperm count on the deal, okay? Get back at you. This is the kid. Calls me 59 days in a row. Wants to be a player. Ought to be a picture of you in the dictionary on our persistence, kid. Yeah. Now listen, Jerry, I'm looking for negative control, okay? No more than 30, 35%. Just enough to block anybody else's merger plans and find out from the inside if the books are cooked. <clears throat> Looks as good as on paper. We're in the kill zone, pal. We're locked and loaded. Lunch? Oh, you gotta be kidding. Lunch is for wimps. Okay, Billy, I'll talk at you. How do you do, Mr. Gekko? Bud Fox. So you say, nice to meet you. Hope you're intelligent. Where'd you get these? Get a connection at the airport. So what's on your mind, Kimasabi? Why am I listening to you? I gotta monitor my blood pressure, so whatever you do, don't upset me here. No, no, sir. Within 45 seconds, the microprocessor computes systolic and diastolic pressure. Got an LCD readout, cost-effective. Less than one visit to a doctor. I just want to let you know, Mr. Gecko, that I've read all about you at NYU Business, and I think you're an incredible genius. I've always dreamed of one thing, and that's to do business with a man like you. What firm are you with, pal? Jackson Steinem. Going places. Good junk bond department. You do the financing on that uh, Janssen investment? Yeah. Yeah, we're working on some other interesting stuff. Cosmetic company by any chance? What, are you 12th man in the deal team has to know? I can't tell you that, Mr. Gecko. So what do you got for me, sport? Why are you here? Chart breakout on this one here. Whitewood Young Industries. Explosive earnings. A 30% discount from book. Great cash flow. A couple of 5% holders. It's a dog. Very strong management. It's a dog, pal. What else you got besides connections to the airport? Mr. Stevenson of San Francisco? All right. Break there for a sec. I'll, I'll play the rest of it. But, um, I mean, you can see here that right away he's digging for information um and we do find out that the one thing gordon gecko prides himself on is 
getting information no one else can get. Um, and, yes. and, you know, he, immediately he's trying to see what kind of guy Bud Fox is while doing this. You know, he's he's feeling him out immediately. You know, I'm sure you can hear that too, Anthony. That's what he's doing. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. He's, yeah, he's so basically, uh, he's schmoozing them and fleecing them for information all at the same time. Oh, he's trying Because he know it, it, it's almost like, I guess the best way I can compare it is, it's almost like a chick that knows she has you wrapped around her finger. <laughs> That's basically what this yeah, is. Yeah. Because you can, it's almost like, you, you, you see like Charlie, see, he looks at him like with this wonderment, like, like a kid at Christmas. Yeah. Or a kid that saw his first titty. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah. I mean, he basically he he idolizes him. You know what I mean? And it's like you can tell Gecko is just basically like he's preying on that. He knows this guy is like willing to do anything to be like under his uh, learning tree, so to speak. Right. And he's trying to see how far he's willing to go, though. At the same time, and he's also seeing this kid. Can can this kid be useful to me? Um, can I turn him? Can I turn this kid? Can I flip him? That's kind of what he's probably, you know, feeling out in this scene. Um, we'll go ahead and play a little bit more of it real quick here. He responded to the offer. What? What the hell is Cromwell doing giving a lecture to when he's losing 60 million a quarter? I guess he's giving lectures on how to lose money. Jesus Christ, if this guy owned a funeral parlor, no one would die. This turkey is totally brain dead. Okay, all right, Christmas is over, and business is business. You keep on buying. Dilute the son of a bitch. Ollie, I want every orifice in his fucking body flowing red. He's flowing, Gordo. Piece of cake. Doesn't look like it, huh? This guy's the best trader on the street. Susan, give me the LBO analysis on Teldar paper. Bring it in here, please. Mr. Gecko, your wife. What else? What else you got? Terrafly. Analysts don't like it. I do. The breakup value is twice the market price. This deal finances itself. You sell off two divisions. You keep that's the core not business. not bad for a quant, but that's a dog with different fleas. Come on, pal. Tell me something I don't know. It's my birthday. Surprise me. Uh, real quick, the noise you're hearing is the birthday card Bud Fox just gave him going through the shredder. He puts the birthday card in the shredder in front of Charlie Sheen. And Sheen just has this look on his face like, what the fuck, you dick? <laughs> but uh, great great little look by Charlie Sheen here. Just mortified that he would do that in front of him. Uh, I'll go ahead and play the rest here real quick. Blue Star. What? Blue Star Airlines. He's a bell somewhere, so what? It's a comer. 80 medium body jets. 300 pilots. Flies Florida, Canada, uh, Northeast, Caribbean. Great slots in major cities. I don't like airlines. Lousy unions. Well, there was a crash last year. They just got a favorable ruling on a lawsuit that even the plaintiffs don't know about. Well, how do you know about it? I just know. The decision. Okay, right here. If you can't figure out what he's doing, um, you know, 
we mentioned in, in before, this is the kind of guy that'll do anything to get ahead to make a fast buck. He just gave up his dad's company, basically. Um, yeah. He's giving, again, giving information he shouldn't be giving, but he's also trying to impress this guy right away. Uh, so that's what he's doing. Um, but you can tell by the music, this is not going to go good. And uh, I'm going to play the rest. Here. You should clear the way for new planes and route contracts. There's only a small float out there, so you should grab it. Good for a five-point pop. 250,000 shares at 18 and a quarter from Jansen. I think I can pull twice that at 18 and a half from the California pensions. We've got close to a half a million shares in the bag. Huh? The Terminator. Blow him away, Ollie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we got the Beezer brothers coming in with us, and I'm working on the Silverberg boys. Rip their fucking throats out. Stuff them in your garbage compactor. Interesting. You got a card? Home number's in the back. Bud Fox, I look at 100 deals a day. I choose one. I hope to hear from you, sir. Thanks for the cigars. Let's go, guys. Looks like we're going over 5% in Teldar. Start the lawyers and attend the... There you go. And that was it. You can see he's going away. He knows he just fucked up. But he was trying to impress the guy. Um, but he knows he fucked up. He shouldn't have given him that information. That's by, you know, FEC laws, insider trading. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah. Big time, which is exactly, you just mentioned her, which is what Martha Stewart got in trouble for, insider trading. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter. You, It's like, you know, it's that old saying, ignorance ignorance of the law is no defense. No. So even if you mention something that you didn't know was technically insider trading, doesn't matter. You can still go to jail for a very long time. Yeah, you And not to mention, get fined to shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, you got to be careful. And, you know, you can't sit there and tell someone about it and they dump every penny they own into it. And, it's it, again, you need to do something really stupid for your name to pop up on a radar. Even now, you do. Oh, yeah. This isn't like the wrestling show, but I remember, remember like, it might have been like a year or two ago when Steph was starting to sell off a lot of stock, and people were, like, getting kind of suspicious for a minute. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, it, 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 yeah, I mean, wrestling stock goes up, goes down, but WWE stock sort of just stays where it's at. I don't, I don't know if anyone, I don't know if anyone but the, uh, but Vince, Stephanie, and, you know, the McMahons really make any good money off of that stock. Yeah, I mean your Triple H's, your Shane, but yeah, yeah. Unless you're juiced in, you're not a regular Joe on the street making money off of that. No, no, you got fucking. I mean, listen, if you listen to those, uh, you know those uh, those quarterly meetings, listen to some of the people on the phone with those guys on those conference calls, you can tell who owns stock in that company. You can tell who owns stock and who's uh, basically they're just. For lack of a better term, who are Mark's calling just to, hey, I got to talk to Vince or I got to talk to Triple H today. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like people are like, um, yeah, uh, why do you not give Sasha Banks the push she deserves? 
Yeah. And they're like, and they, you know, basically they're asking questions about the product, but not the stock. Yeah. How the stock is doing. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, fuck, fuck the wrestling, fuck the wrestling part. I want to know what my money's doing. <laughs> yeah, and I've listened every now and then. They they used to record those calls and put them out, but they I don't know if they do anymore. Um, but yeah, they were they're brutal to listen to. Uh, how come you guys? Don't treat the titles like you did back in the 1980s. <laughs> Shut the fuck um, up. Um, oh, shit. Uh, whatever, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get back to this fucking movie. But Fox finally gets to work. Uh, bosses are all over him. Uh, you know, just usual day though, going through everything. Uh, Hal Holbrook's in the back smoking cigarettes, which probably wasn't different for him. But, um, then we go, uh, another scene. We got Bud, Bud coming in. He's, uh, meeting with, with Gordon Gecko. He get, does finally get a meeting with him. And, uh, hell, let's play the fucking meeting. Why not, right? Let's do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. For you. Do it. Oh, sir. Thank you. Anything to drink, sir? Uh, just an Evian, please. Hey, you see this? Just a... Evian's been around since the 80s, by the way, people. Just so, just so you realize that. He just ordered an Avion. That's how long bottled water's been around. Just <laughs> want to let you know that. Here we go. Can you believe it? It's got a two-inch screen. No, I can hardly see it. <laughs> it's from my kid, Rudy. Okay. And by the way, he's watching a little portable TV here with a two-inch screen. And talking about it like it's fucking amazing. Take Anthony, look at that phone in your hand. Yep. Okay. None of us are Gordon Gecko material, and we can now, in 2017, watch anything we want on a giant screen. Yes. Fucking technology. But anyway, I want to play more of this meeting because this is where Bud gets. Um, this is where Bud gets roped in. This is where he he goes all in. Um, well, there's one more meeting, but this is the meeting where he sees what he's all about, uh, Gecko. And here we go. Let's roll. Three years old, he's electronics freak. I tell you, we're going to a new age, pal. Check. So how's uh, business today? Great. Blue Star was at 17 and a quarter when I left the office, up from 15. Might's been up to 18 by the bell. Tell Dar shooting up. Did you buy any for yourself? I bet you're on the phone two minutes after you got out of my office, huh? Uh, <laughs> no, sir, that wouldn't have been legal. Sure. Relax, pal. No one's going to blow the whistle on you. There it is right there. That was the point um, where he was testing him. That was a test. Uh, and Bud sort of failed his first test right there, in my opinion. 
this is a yeah, but break it down. I, I see where you're going with it, but break it down for the listeners. I believe, in my opinion, he was testing him right here. He was sort of hoping he did jump on the phone and buy some Teldar stock. Um, that would have shown that he was a little bit dirty. Um, I th- if if you look at the movie and the way it's going in this part of the movie, he's kind of thinking right now. I got to mold this kid from scratch. You know, he's not, he's a clean cut kid. And, uh, you know, now I got to fucking mold him, but he definitely can see that he's moldable and, uh, gullible, naive. You had said naive earlier. So, you know, he's definitely a little naive. Uh, In other words, he gets that vibe that, this kid is desperate to make money. Mm-hmm. But he just lacks that killer instinct to do whatever it takes to get it. Desperate. That's a perfect word for it. He sees the kid as desperate. And, you know, they show that in the movie. He's borrowing money from, from his friends, his dad. And he is desperate. And that's the one thing that you're right. That's the one thing Gecko can sense in this is that he's a desperate kid. Um you know, but he also sees he's a little clean cut, and he's got uh, got his work ahead at work. You know, work cut out for him. But uh, this is where he starts roping him. Let's uh, let's see where the rope comes in here. Is that legal? Did you put that in my account? Hey, Gordon, Georgie, cellular nice king. How you been, pal? Uh, by the way, there was a check for a hundred thousand dollars. She just gave him. Here we go. Nice to see you, my dear. You look wonderful. Well, you're looking very, very well yourself. Thank you. And Mr. Davis, yes? Uh, can I get the check here, please? For yes, sakes. Check cover that blue star by. Put a couple hundred thousand of those Bow Wow stocks you mentioned. Pick the dog with the least fleas. Use a stop loss, so uh, downside's a hundred thousand. And buy a decent suit. You can't come in here looking like this. You just go to Morty Sills, tell him I sent you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Gecko. Thank you for the chance. You will not regret this. You're with a winner. Right. Right. Put the rest of the money in a tax-free mutual fund. I want to see how you do before I invest it. And save the cheap salesman talk, will you? It's obvious. Excuse me, sir? Now, you heard me. I don't like losses, boy. Nothing ruins my day more than losses. Now, you do good. You get perks. Lots and lots of perks. Lewis? Yes, sir. Take care of my friend. Thank you, sir. Have a good lunch, buddy. There you go. This is where it starts. He's He gives him money to put in some accounts and go here, there, put it in here. And uh, this is where Bud starts working. Um, for Basically, Gecko's got him. He's in. He's all in. Um, we don't know he's all in yet, but we figure it out in a little while. Uh, right here is the scene where he's sitting there looking at market projections, and Andrea Thompson knocks on his door. This is the NYPD Blue reference I was talking about. She's a hooker, basically. She takes Bud out and um, shows him a good time. Yes. Like a hooker should. Uh, she's snorting coke in the limo. In the yes. limo, he's joining her. Yes. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. The hookers of today, apparently, they have no low standards. But this hooker, those '80s hookers, boy, they knew how to have a good time and treat their uh, Johns right. They oh. made box. She's forcing his pants down in the limo, and you know, blowing yeah. them. Great, great, great girl. Great girl. Hey, Box, are we, are we reviewing Wall Street or the autobiography of Charlie Sheen? Um, probably both. <laughs> uh, it's probably all rolling into one here. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was definitely an art imitating life scene. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, now Charlie Sheen, remember he was told to put the markets in a few things and play a little bit with the rest of the money. One of them is a loss. And he is dreading the call from Gordon Gecko. Uh but it does come in and um remember he said the one thing in the world he hates is losses. Let's go ahead and roll this real quick. See hear what Gordon says and we'll uh again you get an idea of what's going on here. God damn. Show sure went down the toilet on that ugly bitch. Oh, buddy, Mr. Gecko's office is looking for you. Beat the Wyatt Club Quartz at six. See, I messed up. They're in there playing, uh, playing racquetball now. Racquetball was big in the 80s. I don't know if it's still big. I'm old. I probably would die playing this game. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, it's funny. You know, Michael Douglas is sitting there playing this game, and uh, Charlie Sheen is over there fucking, like, dying. And it's funny, we know now that, uh, you know, Michael Douglas was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day during these scenes. He was probably dying in these scenes and acting so good that, uh, you know, Charlie Sheen was just like, how's he doing this? So, I don't right. know. You know, Michael Douglas. Well, Charlie Sheen was obviously playing a naive one, but Michael Douglas had to preserve that cool vibe that he always had on camera. Hey, man. Doesn't get he did. Real. He did. But uh, they go into the uh, the steam room, and of course, this is for some reason deep conversations happen in the steam room with Oliver Stone movies. Um, any given Sunday, same thing. Great steam room scene with uh, Jamie Foxx and Lawrence Taylor. You know, it's just weird how they do the steam room scenes. But let's play the steam room scene. Yeah. Not bad for a city college boy. Bought my way in. Now all these Ivy League schmucks are sucking my kneecaps. I just got on the board of the Bronx Zoo. Cost me a mil. That's the thing you gotta remember about wasps. They love animals, they can't stand people. Uh, Mr. Gecko. <clears throat> we took a little loss today. Uh, we gotta stop out on Terrafly. About a hundred grand. Well, I guess your dad's not a union representative of that company, huh? How do you know about my father? most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. 
There you go. The most valuable commodity is information. That is probably the best tagline to describe this movie. And the, I mean, if if, if you're going to sum up the plot in one sentence, that would be it right there. Information yep. is the best commodity because that's what the whole movie ends up being is Bud Fox trying to get information for Gordon Gecko. Um, I'm going to finish it up right here, this little scene, because, you know, Gecko sort of uh, kind of lays into him a little bit. But um, after they leave is when the the, uh, the hook gets set. So here we go. Public's out there throwing darts at a board, sport. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. You're not as smart as I thought you were, buddy boy. You wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500? Because they're sheep. And sheep get slaughtered. I've been in this business since 69. Most of these Harvard MBA types, they don't add up to dog shit. Give me guys that are poor, smart, and hungry. And no feelings. You win a few, you lose a few, but you keep on fighting. And if you need a friend, get a dog. It's trench warfare oh. out there, pal. Hey, Georgie. Hey, Gordon. How's Larchmont treating you? Fine. Where's the Praxor deal going? Oh, you should know, pal. Asshole. And inside here, too. I got 20 other brokers analyzing charts, pal. I don't need another one. I am not just another broker, Mr. Gecko. If you give me another chance, I'll prove Okay. Any salesman knows what Gordon Gecko just did is called the takeaway. This is the takeaway. This is when you dangle something in front of somebody, and then in order for them to buy it, you take it away. It's like telling okay here it is you go to buy a car and you want the car the salesman sees you want that car the second he sees you want that car he may point you to another car and be like mm, not so sure you can afford this one maybe we should downsize a little bit and go to this one the takeaway he took that away now you immediately on the defensive because humans are you know naturally we're defensive because he took it away we want it so he just did the takeaway here he took away the opportunity and now he really gets to see how he wants to see what bud fox is willing to do in this scene this is where once you do the takeaway, you get to see how desperate someone really is. And if you notice in the scene, he said, give me someone poor and hungry and no feelings. That's the guys I want. He's trying to see if he's one of those guys. Ah. Ah. So. Well, you should have had a book on this box. You seem to notice uh, the art of uh, salesmanship very well. Well, I've. I mean, I sell boxes. That's what I've done since I was, you know, 19 years old. So, 
Uh, so basically, just around the same time, you guys started around the same time, 69? No. <laughs> Jeez, I'm not that old. <laughs> you fucking cock. Go back to sleep. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I'm going to stay up from now on, folks. <laughs> just messing with me. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's, uh, now, now we, we, you know, this is where Bud's going to start pleading to keep the business because he's uh he is what Gordon wants. He is poor, he is fucking hungry and desperate, like Anthony said earlier. So here we go. Give that to you. I'll go the extra yard. Just one more chance, Mr. Gecko. Please. You want another chance? Fucking A. And you stop sending me information. And you start getting me some. Get dressed. I'll show you my charts. You know the name? Of course, Larry Wildman, one of the first Raiders. Sir, Larry Wildman, like all Brits, thinks he was born with a better pot to piss in. Bribed an old secretary of mine, opened her mouth, stole RDL Pharmaceuticals right from under me. Wildman, the white knight. I remember that deal. You were involved, Mr. Gecko? Payback time, sport. You see that building? I bought that building 10 years ago. My first real estate deal. Sold it two years later. Made an $800,000 profit. It was better than sex. At time, I thought that was all the money in the world. Now it's a day's pay. Anyway, I had a mole in Wildman's operation. He gave me half the picture, then he got fired. I don't think I follow him, Mr. Wildman's in town. I just became an American citizen. Something big is going down, okay? I want to know where he goes and what he sees. I want you, pal to fill out the missing picture. Uh, Mr. Gecko, it's not exactly what I do. I could, I could lose my license. If the SEC found out, I could go to jail. That's inside information, isn't it? You mean like when a father tells a son about a court ruling on an airline? Or someone overhears that I'm buying Teldar paper and decides he's gonna buy some for himself? Or the chairman of the board of XYZ decides it's time to blow out XYZ? Is that what you mean? I'm afraid, pal, unless your father's on the board of directors of another company, <laughs> you and I are going to have a very tough time doing business together. What about hard work? What about it? You work hard? Bet you stayed up all night analyzing that dog shit stock you gave me, huh? Where'd it get you? My father, he worked like an elephant pushing electrical supplies till he dropped dead at 49 with a heart attack and tax bills. Wake up, will you, pal? If you're not inside, you are outside, okay? And I'm not talking about some $400,000 a year working Wall Street stiff, flying first class and being comfortable. I'm talking about liquid. Rich enough to have your own jet. Rich enough not to waste time. Fifty, a hundred million dollars, buddy. A player. Or nothing. Okay. So you can hear in this part the hooks. You can hear the hooks going in. Um, you know, he's, this is the flip. You know, oh. you know how cops sort of, uh, you know, they, they they bring in a guy and they flip him. This is what he's doing here. He's, he's explaining to him, you know, you basically did this, you insider traded with me, you dumb shit. You know, <laughs> you're, you're already guilty. Continue continue doing it um 
I'll play the rest of the scene real quick here. You had what it took to get in my office. Real question is whether you got what it takes to stay. Are you gonna tell me the difference between this guy and that guy is luck? Muhammad, pull over, will you? If you don't mind, I drop you off here. I'm late. Buddy, it's been nice meeting you, okay? Uh, by the way, once again, we he does the takeaway um, right here. Let me drop you off, buddy. Been nice meeting you. I'm out of here. And, I got uh, other shit to do. Yeah, what? I got other shit to do. I got shit to do. You're done. And um, this is his one chance. And I think he knows it. And here we go. Let's finish this up. A few, not long left at all. All right, Mr. Gecko. You got me. There it is. There it is. He just set the hook. All in. That's it. Bud Fox is now his guy. Um, you know, it's it's great salesman man whoever wrote this movie was had a one time be a salesman because they do yeah. a lot of the art of war type sales things in this movie you know and like i said the the, the takeaway is the the oldest trick in the book and you know humans are so defensive by nature we fall for it all the time and don't even know it don't even know it, but um, you know that's just uh, that's it. The, this is the, uh, the the literal part in the movie where the the plot thickens, if you will. Um, he's got him hooked. Uh, the next few scenes, the, the next few scenes, the, the next few scenes have uh, Charlie Sheen following around this uh, this guy who's played by Terrence Stamp, and he's following him on his motorcycle. You know, he follows him to lunch, to here, uh, ends up in an elevator with him, follow, finally gets to the airport, and um, does find out where he's going. And um, you know what? Let me play this scene, and then we're going to take a quick break, if that's all right with Anthony. And No problem. Uh, yeah, when he gets to the airport, he has to find out where this guy is going for Gecko, though. And uh, he does that in a pretty smooth way. He pulls out his wallet. Here, ah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Excuse me! Excuse me! Mr. Wildman on board that plane? Yeah. Shit! My boss is going to kill me. I'm supposed to give him this. You know where that plane is going? Erie, Pennsylvania. Thank you. After spending the morning at Khan's Seidelman on the 14th floor of the junk bond department where Shane Morrow works, he had lunch at that French restaurant, Le Circus, with a group of well-dressed, heavy-set bean counters. 
Well, he later stopped off at Morgan, and I'd say from all the sweet smiling and palm pressing going on that Larry got himself some nice fat financing, Gigi. Right. But not bright enough, Sherlock. Let's roll the dice and play a little Monopoly. What box is Sir Larry going to land on in Erie, Pennsylvania? Jesus Christ. He's buying Anacott Steel. Okay. When the market opens tomorrow, I want you to buy 1,500 July 50 calls. You hear me? 1,500, yes, sir. And start buying 1,000 share blocks and take it up to $50. When it reaches 50, give out a little taste to your friends. Then I want you to call the Wall Street Chronicle. Extension 1605. You tell the man, Blue Horseshoe loves Anacon Steel. You got that? The Wall Street Chronicle. All right, congratulations, buddy. You scored. Talk at you. All right. So there you go. Now we see how it's done. You get information and you go for the fucking throat. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, but, you know, just it's look, it's a great way to make money as long as you're free and clear of the, uh, you know, implications of it. And we do see later that. You know, Gordon knows how to uh, keep his nose clean. Um, on that note, take a quick break. I got to pee. And uh, we will return. The key in... word being yes, we will return. Yes, we will. We, both of us, will return. I promise, folks. I promise. I'll be back from the break, too. He's promising, folks. If he doesn't return, I will go get an air horn and blow it in the microphone till he wakes up. How's that? All right. We'll be back in a little while. See you in a minute. Bye. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That was a nice quick break, and uh, we can jump right back into the movie before we get sidetracked again. Let's do that. Uh, we we were at the part where Bud Fox uh, just gave Gordon Gecko the information that um, you know he was looking for there, and uh, like I said, this was the turn in the movie. This is where Bud's all in. 
He's ready yes. to give the info, man. And, uh, you know, uh, finally... Go ahead. No, I said, uh, steal a phrase from you tonight. He's been hooked. He is. He is. The hook is in. Um, Andicott Steel is the company that they are uh, now getting into. This turns into a whole another sort of subplot of the movie, uh, this Andicott Steel thing. Um, getting a little echo on your end, Anthony. Hold on. That's all right. All right. I'll I'll keep talking, but uh, it's gone. Whatever you just did, it's gone. Although if you muted yourself, that's not going to be the good thing to do. Yeah, it's like you got a plane in the background. Um, I think so. Yeah, maybe. Not really. A little bit. Eh, we'll see. Um. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's gone now. There we go. And yeah, he starts, uh, you know, so Bud, you know, you're good. Yeah, Bud goes in and, you know, he goes back to his job at his little, uh, you know, little thing. And uh, he's doing what he's told. He starts giving his friends a little taste here and there when he's told to. um, And, uh, you know, waiting to make that phone call to uh, the Wall Street Chronicle. Uh, obviously what happens when he calls the Wall Street Chronicles, those guys come in. Again, you're creating the market when you have information. You can create your own market. Love you. Right. Love you, babe. Good night. All right. I, my girl's going to sleep. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, you're literally cr- trying to create your market. When you have information like that, you literally can do that. You can create the market. You can you can take a, a, a shit stock and bump it up. And, you know, I mean, he can make millions on deals like this. So, you know, he's going through, uh, he gives his uh, Hal Holdbrook the thing and the you know, it gives him a whole speech about how uh, I don't like the way you get your information, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, goes through all that. Finally, he does call, makes the phone call, and uh, the guys jump on it, do what he's got to do. This is where he ends up going to a party at uh, Gordon Gecko's house to drop off some papers for him. Uh, obviously, papers for this deal. And while he's there, he meets Darian, played by Daryl Hannah. Um, we mentioned earlier how bad she was in this movie. This was so, in probably, other words, you don't think that part in this movie aged ages well. I just think she was. I don't know if 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 Oliver Stone was like enamored by her looks because she's a she's a gorgeous woman, you know. Especially you know back in the mid eighties, you know mid eighties, she was amazing. She was just gorgeous, and still is. I'm not going to say she's not. She still is, but it almost reminds me of Vince McMahon and the stories you hear about Vince McMahon and Vince Russo being just 
enamored and obsessed with stable. You know, it kind of. Yeah, I, I think it's embarrassing. Yeah, I always wonder if, you know, because I mean, you know, we even got the quote from, you know, uh, Oliver Stone saying he was just too proud to, you know, tell her to, you know, fire her or change the part. But maybe he just thought, my God, this girl is just too gorgeous to fucking get rid of, you know? But Charlie Sheen, Bud Fox, immediately is, again, enamored and obsessed with uh, Darian, I guess we can call her in this movie. Uh, Can't blame him. And I have to say, real quick, and this actually is about the movie. Mm-hmm. What is Charlie Sheen's character's name in this movie again? Bud Fox. Say that again, and, and tell me if you can kind of pick up where I'm going with that name. Yeah, this I, had to be a joke. Man. Well, it was before all that, but you know, for, foreseeing everything, I'm still getting an echo, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still getting a little bit of an echo there. Um... This is another part of the movie, though, where he meets uh, Terrence Stamp in this movie. Uh, I believe his name is Win- Winfeld. Um, and uh, we also meet Sean Young in this part, who plays uh, Kate Gecko. Very small part in this movie. Um, and, you know, let's not forget she was lobbying to play the part of Darian. You know, you look at her, you look at Daryl Hannah. Unfortunately, I understand maybe where Oliver Stone was coming from. Daryl Hannah's a little hotter. You know what I mean? But they, you know, you never know what they could have done. But uh, he does end up meeting up with Terrence Stamp in this in, in this scene right here. And um, obviously he's really pissed about Endicott Steel. And, uh, you know, the, the meeting here is great. Absolutely fucking amazing. I'll, um, what, what? You know what I'll do? This. Stick around. This is one of my gang, Bud Fox. And, by the way, Terrence Stamp just realizes that he knew Bud, Bud by uh, seeing him earlier in the day, tailing him from restaurant to restaurant. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and play the rest of this real quick. Should we go upstairs? Yeah. I could skip this. The one. rarest pistol in the world, Larry. A forty-five Luger. Only six of them were ever manufactured. Oh, real quick. Forty-five Luger, six were not manufactured. Anthony, do you know how many were manufactured? Uh, so let me guess. I would say maybe two, three. Bingo. Two. Only two 45 Lugers were manufactured. So wow. to be the owner of that gun would really be a very, very prestigious thing. Uh, yeah. Only two were ever produced. So, and I mean, this is 1985. I'm not 100% sure there may be more produced now, but in 1987, 
only two were produced. So, and I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I believe to this day, that's it. They've never produced another one. Any particular reason why? Um, it wasn't that. It was just a very Luger was more of a nine millimeter, twenty two caliber, just small caliber gun. Um, just never went to the big calibers, the 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 forties, the forty fives. So I I don't know if they made this as a prototype and just decided to make two, and that's the why two were manufactured, but. Only two ever manufactured, and to own one would be a fucking definite prestigious feat. But uh, he says six. He's wrong. Only two. Uh, only a weird gun nut like me would know that. But um, all right, here we go. Let's play. It's a very cool photo. Yeah, there you go. Congratulations. Rarer still is your interest in Anacott Steel. Well, my interest is the same as yours, Larry. Money. Thought it'd be a good investment for my kid. No, this time I'm in for the long term. It's not a liquidation. I'm going to turn it around. You're getting a free ride on my tail, mate. And with the dollars you're costing me to buy back the stock, I could modernize the plant. I'm not the only one who pays here, Gordon. We're talking about lives and jobs. Three and four generations of steelwork. Correct me if I'm wrong. But when you you know they call him British, but Terence Stamp clearly Australian. If you can hear the end of every sentence, he goes a little higher. That's Australian. He is not British, but whatever. Nineteen eighty-five British Australian, whatever. You got a weird fucking accent. We'll take care of it. Here, let's play the rest. Wired, CNX Electronics, you laid off what? 6,000 workers? <laughs> Jemson Fruit, 4,000? That airline you bought, um... Break you, mate. In two pieces over my knees. You know it, I know it. I could buy you six times over. I could dump the stock just to burn your ass. But I happen to want the company. And I want your block of shares. I'm announcing a tender offer at 65 tomorrow. I'm expecting your commitment. Showdowns bore me, Larry. Nobody wins. You can have the company. In fact, it's going to be fun watching you and your giant ego try to make a horse race of it. Buddy, what's the fair price for that stock? The breakup value is higher. It's worth 80. Well, we don't want to be greedy. So what do you say to 72? You're a two-bit pirate and green mailer. Nothing more. Gecko. <laughs> Not only would you sell your mother to make a deal, you'd send a COD. My mail is the same color as yours is, pal. Or at least it was until the Queen started calling you sir. Now you'll excuse me, all right, before I just lose my temper. 71. Considering you brought my mother into it, seventy-one fifty. Done. You're here for my lawyers tomorrow, eight a.m. Good night. And that's it. So you see here, 
you know, I mean, he had said it, Gordon Gecko had said it in the beginning, but in the beginning of the, the scene I played before, but payback. That was the only reason he was buying that company was to pay uh, Winfred back for whatever he did to him before. He bought up some sort of company and sold it out. Did the same thing he just threatened to do, sell the stock to burn his ass. So, <clears throat> you know, he same thing, but uh, he got his price for it. And Bud Fox backed him up, and I, you know, you can, you obviously that's what he was looking for Bud to do. And uh, <clears throat> this is, this is the first test Bud passed, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that act, and I, I gotta say. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, I I was focusing on that guy's ex, and I'm like, "Gee, who does this guy think he is? Mel Gibson? Only Mel Gibson can pull off the uh, Australian to American deal." Yeah, and you know what? They call him uh, in Young Guns. They call him Irish. I think. <laughs> what the fuck? Get the guy's accent right already. But um, I want to play the well, rest. I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, real quick. I had mm-hmm. first thing I ever saw Mel Gibson, and I want to say it was probably. I want I, I want to say it was like Road Warrior, but it probably was Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Where, I, but obviously by the time he did like the Lethal Weapon series, you didn't hear his uh, accent. But it was like that blew my mind when I found out he was Australian, especially like with the Braveheart stuff. I'm like, wow, man, I'm getting it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's not that bad. He's just batshit crazy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. The guy's fucking nuts. <laughs> he's nuts. <laughs> Um, Maybe it's I, an Australian thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do want to play the rest of this scene though because, um, you know, it it, it kind of gives that uh, art of war salesman type thing again, um, to where Gecko knows Bud is really number one understanding, but number two, he's got him. He's all in. He's it, it's his guy. I mean, you know, I mean, he even called him one of his gang in the in in the beginning of this scene. So they both know he's all in. So let's just play a little bit more here. That is right. I had to sell. Key to the game is your capital reserves. You don't have enough. You can't piss in a tall weed to the big dogs. What's nice? All warfare is based on deception. Sun Tzu. If your enemy is superior, evade him. If angry. Irritate him. If equally matched, fight. And if not, split. Reevaluate. Yeah, he's learning, huh? But he's learning. There you go. So he does again. He figures out Bud's all in this shit. Um, and uh, you know, again, that's more of that art of war, uh, salesman type shit. Um. Look, man, when you're in a weird, uh, when you're in sales, it 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 can get like that. You you get all into these sales type pitches and books and shit like that. And really, dude, people buy from you because you're you. All these fucking the only method that honestly works is the takeaway because of our uh, like you know, but. Otherwise, it's crap. Um, Gordon does call him. I want to uh, ask you something about the takeaway aspect. Uh-huh. Now, as far as the takeaway, 
is that also a good way to cover your bases in case the feds come come a knocking? No. Like plausible deniability? No. No. No, because I mean, look, the I mean, the takeaway is is still you. It's literally taking away in order for them to make the deal. So the deal gets done either way. It's listen. The takeaway is literally when you walk in to buy a car, and the salesman won't do what you want. You get up and say, "All right, our deal is over," and he calls you back. You did the takeaway to that car salesman. Ah. Uh. You just you just found out how desperate he was to make the sale. Now, you know the cards are in your hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. And that's pretty much the way it works. You know, but you have to know you're doing it. I mean, but yeah, it's it's it, no, it's not plausible deniability. Um, Shit can be proven, especially nowadays. Jesus Christ. Uh, I wouldn't even want to fucking deal with the shit nowadays, man. All the fucking recordings and apps. <laughs> Fuck apps. Well, something is still old school. You can't record somebody without their knowledge. No. No, but that's not every state. Every state's got different laws for that. You got to realize that. Some states you can record someone as long as one person knows about it. I.e. the person recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. So you always have to go state by state on that law. But uh, Gecko again makes another call to um, Bud Fox in the morning. Again, I gotta play this scene. It's another important scene to the movie. Um, here we go. Yeah. Money never sleeps, pal. Just made 800,000 Hong Kong gold. It's been wired to you. Play with you. You done good, but you gotta keep doing good. I showed you how the game works. Now school's out. Mr. Gecko, I'm there for you 110%. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I wanna be surprised. Astonish me, pal. New info. I don't care where or how you get it. Just get it. My uh, wife tells me you made a move on Darian's. Well, here's some inside info for you. That uh, Euroflash GQ type she's going out with got big bucks. But he's putting her feet to sleep. Exit visas are imminent. So I don't want you losing your place in line. Ah, oh, Jesus. I wish you could see this. Light's coming up. I've never seen a painting that captures the beauty of the ocean in a moment like this. I'm gonna make you rich, Bud Fox. Yeah, rich enough that you can afford a girl like Darian. This is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. There you go. Again, another... other. I guess pivotal turn in the movie where this is where Bud does start figuring out how to get information on his own. Um, first thing he does is goes and sees a lawyer friend of his, James Spader, um, and you know basically tells him, "Listen, 
you give me information, I give you tips, and we go in. The The main thing he tells them is nobody gets hurt. You know, that's <laughs> basically the sale line is nobody gets hurt. Um, you know, so basically he's conning this guy into doing some insider information for him. Um, and Bud also notices while he's there that, um, you know, basically the guy tells him, oh, well, if you get into this office, then, you know, the, the main, uh, you know, my boss's office, then you can really get some information. He does do this. He figures out how to do this by literally becoming partners with the, um, cleaning company for the office <laughs> this was some yeah, smooth smart. shit this was some smooth shit uh you know he goes in he smooth talks the uh the owner of the, the uh, cleaning company to uh let him join in and he does and uh next thing you know he is getting all the information he can for gordon gecko you know all all kinds of information stuff he doesn't know about uh obviously since they're attorneys they're getting uh rulings that no one else knows about which are huge when it comes to markets uh huge when it comes to the stock market and you know the whole time he's going around just making um pretending he's taking care of everything um, you know, shows him in a few scenes here. He is finally dating Darian. They have some of the weirdest conversations, but, uh, you know, it shows he's building up. You know, there's a line of people waiting to talk to him in a bar, Charlie Sheen, uh, to get stock advice from him and this and that, um, which is a pretty, you know, pretty big thing, you know, in this thing. You know, give me a second. I'll play some of this real fast. Hold on one second here. Well, the good news, Gordon, is Rorker Electronics. That's right. And I see it happening sometime in the next couple of months. Come on, you gotta be kidding. Their quarterlies are for shit. You know Marty Windman? He netted 650G off of that merger. 26 years old, the guy's Rambo. The guy's an asshole. The guy is Rambo. He's got himself a Porsche Turbo Cabriolet, about 75,000. I think that if I can make a bundle of cash before I'm 30 and get out of this racket, I'll be able to ride my motorcycle across China. Uh, this is where he finally, the people were in the bar talking to him. Literally, there's a line of people waiting to talk to him. And uh, now he's with Darian. They have some, like I said, the weirdest conversations. Um, by the way, she really hated, number one, she hated this materialistic part because at the time she was an activist, this was everything she was against. Um, she may still be, I mean, but at this time she was big into the whole, you know, activism thing. And um, 
But she hated playing this part, but uh, did it decently. Well, you see, he's an activist, but this kind of this kind of gets to the meat and potatoes of the movie if you really stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. She hates the part, but I guarantee you, she didn't hate the check. No, that came with the part. You know what I mean? No, but that might give a little bit of the. I mean, that might be why she was she sucks so bad in the movie. She didn't want to be doing Her heart it. Wasn't it. I mean, she just kind of like was going through the motions. Maybe, but uh, let's go ahead and play the rest of this little quick scene here, and then we'll uh, we'll roll through a little more of this. I'd like to do for furniture what Laura Ashley did for interior fabrics. Produce a line of high quality antiques at a low price. Sounds great. I'll take you public. You will. <laughs> So there you go. He's making money. He's getting the girl. Uh, he's doing everything he can. One point, he tries to go in the office of the, uh, the, the 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 head attorney, and there's a girl in there. He gets busted. He just turns around, walks out. Doesn't really get in trouble, but it's a little scene where you know he does get caught. Um. You know, then we go over another scene, and you know, like I said, he's uh, Goose sees his dad again, and they have a little conversation, and uh, he gives his dad about five thousand dollars. Of course, his dad's like, "What's this for?" And he's like, "Oh, I probably uh, borrowed five grand from you over the years, so you know things are good and they're going to stay that way." That was the one line in the movie that you should uh, you should really you know what let me let me let me let me, let me. Yeah, yeah. It was a precursor. It was it was like a red herring for things to come. Yeah, here we go. Oop. Hold on. Hi, Dad. What brings you out here? Client got a private jet over at Butler. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Mr. Wall Street. Hey, hey, it's the bozos that keep us in the okay. air. Well, how about coming away and give us a hand? Come on, we'll show you how to do an honest day. Sir. All right, all right. Change the oil, fill the tires, and park it out back. All right? This kid want to buy the plane? And you always got to light up when you see me. Hey, don't start. You all right? All right? Who peed in your Cheerios? Goddamn fair wars are killing us. Management's going to lay off five of my men this week, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry about that. So what's with you? How much you need? I don't need anything. I'm doing great. New client, whole new ball game. Things are really starting to happen. Yeah, sure. Lots of guys at the track talk like that. How do you know you have any dough next month? Jesus Christ, what is this? I only gave you a few hundred. It's a dividend. I figured I borrowed at least five grand in pocket change over the years. Oh, stop it. Come on, here, put this towards your school loan. Oh, forget the loans. Look, Dad, things are good, and it's going to stay that way. Hey, buy yourself a new suit. What do I need a new suit for? I don't hobnob with the jet set. I just fixed the plane. Well, then uh, get yourself a decent bowling jacket so when you take Mama, you don't look like the Roto-Rooter man, for Christ's sake. Come on, Dad, what's money for? Enjoy yourself. Money is one giant pain in the ass, if you ask me. But thanks, kid. How about dinner? Yeah, sure, any night this week. Okay. Uh, no, I'm sorry, this week's booked. Listen, I'll check with my girl, I'll get back to you, all right? <laughs> yeah, you do that, Huckleberry. You know where to find me. All right, I gotta run, Dad. You stop smoking, you hear? I'll talk at you. There you go. Again... Showing the polar opposites between the two, you know, it shows, you know, the next scene is Charlie Sheen out riding these little, you know, dune buggies on the beach and, uh, you know, doing this and doing that. And, you know, his dad's out there busting his ass. 
But the next scene in this movie again, I gotta play it. It's an it's an incredibly important part. Um, this is the part where Gordon Gecko and Bud Fox are sitting down with Gecko's lawyer. This is where Bud Fox gets power of attorney. This is where Gordon Gecko keeps his hands clean, clean. Yeah. And the lawyer even says it. I'm not even going to explain it because the lawyer explains it right here in this part. Oh, God damn it. Attorney for Mr. Gecko's account. Every trade you make is at your discretion. Every ticket you buy must be marked power of attorney. That means that you call the shots. Mr. Gecko has no, absolutely no official knowledge of what stocks you're buying. All right? Just sign it at the end twice. Never knew how poor I was till I started making a little money. As you know, your transactions will be monitored by Stockwatch. If any trouble does arise, you are on your own out there. I mean, trail does stop with you. You understand? Spread the buy orders over different accounts, you won't get burnt. Think I have some friends that won't mind making some easy money? Rudy Gazzuti, how's my So there you go. That's the main part of the scene you need to hear. L- literally, he just said Gordon Gecko has officially has no knowledge of what you're doing. This is how a guy that makes this kind of money in the market by getting the information he does keeps his hands clean. This is the way you do it. This is the way you do it. You sign over a power of attorney and that's it. You're you it's 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 done at this point. Um you know you're you are on your own. But, uh, you know, the attorney gives him a little more advice here. Give me a couple seconds here. And it does show where, you know, the mom, you know, played by Sean Young, they're not involved in this and that They with the kid. But, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and play from right. Yeah, I'll play it from right here. Thanks are going up. No mistakes. Piece of cake, Gordon. Here he goes and sees Darian, by the way. If I could have anything, this would almost do. Almost? So how'd your conference go with Gordon? Went fine. Reached an agreement and decided to split up the world between us. <laughs> there you go. Decided to split up the world between us. Um, <laughs> very ambitious, and you can tell that here. But, you know, always looking for the, the extra buck the quick way. Uh, this movie proves that that's all, not always the best thing to do. Um, and again, Bud Fox is still working for this, uh, you know, little company. And um, he finally gets, like, employee of the month or some shit. 
and you know gets his own office a secretary uh finally buys himself a new house uh, a new apartment in new york uh you know huge expensive penthouse uh things are going amazing for bud um you know he's got darian he's got this what he doesn't know is that darian and um gordon gecko have a former relationship together um we find that out here and we find out gordon sort of gave him uh darian but play a little bit more of the scene we'll play a little bit of the scene here and um not much more left of the movie we'll wrap it up soon Hello. champagne and caviar Celebrate just like old times. Come on, Gordon. Those days are over. Well, you can't blame me for trying. You're as beautiful as that painting I just bought. Sunshine, what's wrong? Look, you got a bad case of puppy love. I think I'm falling for Bud. Don't fall too far. He hasn't been around the block yet. You have. Told him about us? Oh, are you crazy? I don't want him to ever know, do you understand? Almost the word. You and I are the same, Darian. We are smart enough not to buy into the oldest myth running, love. Fiction created by people who uh, keep them from jumping out of windows. <laughs> you know, sometimes I miss you, Gordon. You're really twisted. There you go. So we find out that, uh, you know, there are, they had a former relationship. And uh, Bud doesn't know anything about it. But um, this is also right here where the movie starts turning a little bit. Bud has a few problems. Um, and I'll play that scene too real quick where because you, you can find out what his problems are. But this is where he starts not only having problems but turning on his friends. Uh-huh. Um, his friend in the company is... Um, Jesus Christ, who was that guy we were just talking about a few minutes ago? John, uh... Oh, John, oh, John uh, McKinley? John, John McKinley, right. Uh, that's his, basically his best... I forgot his <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. That's basically his best friend in the company, and, uh, you know, they've been going... Sort of turns on him, too, and here we go. Oh, for Christ's sake, Jack, it's easy. On settlement day, you endorse a check to Blue Horseshoe Trading Company, and then I'll send you your cut. What? That's the bottom line. Nobody gets hurt. What the fuck is wrong with you? Things so bad around here, even the liars are complaining. But not with you. No, you're making big money. What's the bottom line? Hey, look! Work it out. I am sick and tired of playing wet nurse to you all the time, all right? Will you do your own homework, Marv? What an asshole, man. His lawyer friend basically is getting a little hinky on what to do with some of these... Uh, He's not sure if he should do it or not. Um, go to the trading floor in the next scene, and you know they show a guy. Basically, you can tell he's Gordon's guy. He's trying to uh, sell Gordon stocks, and um, you know basically they should show a little conversation between them. But we get a speech here uh, from Gordon Gecko in a company that he's bought. Uh, I believe it's Teldar actually, that they, he's in. Um, 
This became known as the greed is good speech from a lot of people. Um, I'm going to play this scene, this whole speech, Anthony. I hope you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, you know the speech I'm speaking of. He's sitting there in front of all the board of directors. Um, one of the board of directors in the beginning of this scene is up there. I'm not going to play this. But he's up there basically, you know, oh, we're not going to do this. We shouldn't buy into Mr. Gecko. He's going to tear this company apart. Uh, but when they call him up, this speech that he gives, Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas, became known as the greed is good speech. So let's go ahead and play it. It's good. appreciate the opportunity you're giving me, Mr. Cromwell, as the single largest shareholder in Teldar paper to speak. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to indulge in fantasy, but in political and economic reality. America, America has become a second-rate power. Its trade deficit and its fiscal deficit are at nightmare proportions. Now, in the days of the free market, when our country was a top industrial power, there was accountability to the stockholder. The Carnegies, the Mellons, the men that built this great industrial empire made sure of it because it was their money at stake. Today, management has no stake in the company. Altogether, these men sitting up here own less than 3% of the company. And where does Mr. Cromwell put his million-dollar salary? Not in Teldar stock. He owns less than 1%. You own the company. That's right. You, the stockholder, and you are all being royally screwed over by these, these bureaucrats with their, their steak lunches, their hunting and fishing trips, their, their corporate jets and golden parachutes. This is an outrage. You're out of line, Gecko. Teldar paper. Mr. Cromwell, Teldar Paper has 33 different vice presidents, each earning over $200,000 a year. Now, I have spent the last two months analyzing what all these guys do, and I still can't figure it out. <laughs> One thing I do know is that our paper company lost $110 million last year, and I'll bet that half of that was spent in all the paperwork going back and forth between all these vice presidents. The new law of evolution in corporate America seems to be survival of the unfittest. Well, in my book, you either do it right or you get eliminated. In the last seven deals that I've been involved with, there were 2.5 million stockholders who have made a pre-tax profit of $12 billion. Thank you. I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed, in all of its forms, Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, 
will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. There you go. The greed is good speech. Um, like I said, became known as that great speech, man. What do you think? And uh, from watching this movie, it's kind of funny. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but obviously I think the original vibe they were going for, like you said, greed is bad, right? Mm-hmm. But they basically turned – it had the opposite effect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Gecko, he's basically like an iconic figure <laughs> if you're trying to get over. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's why this – I mean, this speech was named and – you don't know how many I, I remember my dad telling me that you know they used to play this speech before they went to work in the office wow. when he was in a, another company so you know this speech was huge back then um but with that speech bud became a little more uh ambitious in his goals and he's trying to get Gordon to buy Blue Star, his dad's company. Uh, remember his dad saying that, you know, he's got people being laid off, there's and that. And he comes up with a plan. Now, he thinks in his mind he's doing good, uh, not realizing that Gordon has other plans. Um I guess I can go ahead and uh, he explains it better in this scene. So here we go. Been being decimated by a price war they cannot win. But the gates at LaGuardia alone can bail us out. If it's worth a dime, it's worth ten bucks a share. They're ripe to fall. Mixed emotions, buddy. Like Larry Wildman going off a cliff in my new Maserati. (laughs) Guys like me have had their asses hung in a sling with the airlines. Fuel could go up. Unions are killers. Yeah, yeah, but come on, Gordon. Aren't you forgetting one thing? Capital reserves. This company has 75 million cash and an overfunded pension. That buys us a lot of credibility. And the beauty is you already own close to 2% of this sucker. Gordon, the insurance people are balking on the logging trucks. What do you want to do? You tell those spineless assholes we'll self-insure they don't write it. I can't believe it. You fire half the management nothing changes. Gordon, what I want, and I've never asked you for anything, is to be your co-pilot on this one. I want to take this airline, turn it around, and make it work. It's going to make us a fortune. I got a stockbroker once on an airline. It's going to take me two years and 2,000 headaches to turn Teldar paper out. What the hell do I need a dink airline for? I'm up to my ass and more nuts than a fruitcake. I've worked at Blue Star, Gordon. I know my way around. I have friends there, inside. Now, what do you mean? The three unions. It's 43% of Blue Star's operating budget. The hourly cost of a flight crew is eight fifty an hour. That's the real hidden value, Gigi. If you can negotiate that out, get a crew down to three fifty, four hundred an hour, this airline is going to be the hottest thing since Texas Air. What makes you think you can? I can talk to these people, Gordon. They trust me. My father can be a big help in getting cuts. All right, Susan, get Buckingham on the phone. Tell him to look into it. So the Falcons heard the Falconer. There you go. 
So he once again doesn't realize, but he's giving up his dad's company, um, the company his dad works for. And, you know, uh, he really thinks he's doing the best thing for this company. Um, you know, the next scene he goes and uh, his dad comes there. They, him and Gordon, Bud and Gordon, give this whole presentation. Everybody seems to love the idea, even the, uh, you know, the, the main stockholders in the company. The only one who doesn't buy into Gordon Gecko's shit is uh, Bud's dad. That's it. He's the only one who doesn't buy into it. Uh, as a matter of uh, Gordon Gecko and Bud's shit, he doesn't buy into either one of it. He literally ends up laughing at them, telling them, uh, you know, this... Uh, <laughs> This is bullshit, but uh, everyone else seems to like it, so, you know, he's not sure what to do. Um, here, give me a second. I'll play what his dad says in just a second here. Two seconds. Here we go. Everyone else likes it. Here Strokes, I would like to see the fine print, but I like what I hear so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the man lives long enough, he gets to see everything. What else you got in your bag of tricks, Mr. Gecko? <laughs> Frankly, Carl, I can't see giving much more, but if you have any suggestions, I'll be very happy to listen. There came into Egypt a pharaoh who did not know. I beg your pardon, is that a proverb? No, a prophecy. The rich have been doing it to the poor since the beginning of time. The only difference between the pyramids and the Empire State Building is the Egyptians didn't allow unions. I know what this guy's all about. Greed. He don't give a damn about Blue Star or the unions. He's in and out for the buck, and he don't take prisoners. Now, wait just a minute, Dad. Well, sure. Now, what's worth doing is worth doing for money. It's a bad bargain, and nobody gains. And if we do this deal, everybody gains. Of course, my son did work as a baggage handler and freight loader for three summers. With those qualifications, why should we doubt his ability to run an airline? Fine, you don't want to stay with the scum and present management dedicated to running you and your airline into the ground. Scum built the company up with one plane in 30 years and made something out of nothing. If that's a scum, I'll take it over a rat any day. You know where I stand. Good night, all. There you go. And, you know, Bud goes out there, tells tells his dad, you just embarrass me and yourself and, you know, this and that. And it, it, it does turn into a thing, but... um. You know, his dad seems to see through all the all the silver linings that Bud is uh, is falling for. You know what I mean, Anthony? Oh yeah, yeah. He basically his... he sees through the bullshit. Like, you know, he he sees that because you know that whole that old saying, "All that glitters isn't gold" type of thing. Mm. He realizes that his son is going, you know, basically falling into a trap of you know. He can't. He he's fallen into a hole that he can't dig himself out of. Right, right, exactly. Uh, morally and just you know ethically, morally and just <laughs> he's trying to keep him out of jail. That's the vibe I got from him. Like he sees that this isn't going to end well. Yeah, exactly. Um, Bud goes to see his lawyer friend again, James Spader, in the movie, uh, and the lawyer friend 
has a little bit to do with this deal with Blue Star. Um, this is where Bud finds out Gordon's plan to what he's about to do to Blue Star, the, the company his dad works for. Um, Jesus, I guess I got to play this too, don't I? Yeah, you do. I want to suggest yeah. you play it. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, real quick, his lawyer friend invites him in, being as Bud technically is the president of the company, running the company, and um, that's why he's in the meeting, and no one says a word about it, so here we go. Guys, new chief of Blue Star, Bud Fox. Yeah, hi. Hello, Bud. Look, guys, what's the problem? It's time to kill. Gecko's got 12% of stock in climate. Plus, he's got the unions in his back pocket. And everybody knows that this stock's in play. By next week, the street's going to own Blue Star. Is the bank financing in place? Or are we going to sit around and have more and more of these ridiculous meetings? Our firm committed weeks ago 25% of the total long-term debt structure. And unless you guys sign this piece of paper right now, I'm going to pull and go to another bank for the 75 Look, we've got 30 banks ready to participate in a four-year revolving credit line. But we must have your assurance that you will pay back most of the loan in the first 12 months. And the only way we can see this happening is liquidating the hangars and the planes. Can you people guarantee the liquidation of Blue Store? Guarantee? No sweat. We got the Beesberg brothers lined up to build condos where the hangars are. We lay the airplanes off to the Mexicans who are dumb enough to buy them. And I got the Texas boys drooling at my kneecaps for the roots of the slots. What's your problem? It's done. Price tax on the 737s, gates, hangars, roots. We got it nailed right down on the typewriters. Of course, the beauty of this deal is the overfunded pension. Gecko makes $75 million there. 50 million buys in the minimum annuities for 6,000 employees. And he walks away with the rest. I figure he'll make 60, he'll clear 60, 70 million dollars. Not bad for a month's work. Your boy really did his homework, Fox. And you'll have the shortest executive career since that poke. There you go. Bud finally finds out what's going on. Gordon is not being forced to but going to have to um basically liquidate this whole fucking company um and, you know he he he's literally putting his dad out of a job that's exactly yeah, what he's that. doing i mean what was that anthony that's a, yeah yeah so you're exactly right yeah I, I, that could not feel good to anyone at all especially you know being his you know his son um but yeah i mean that's literally what happens and of course you know he the next thing he does is he runs right to uh gordon's office and confronts gordon and jesus christ have we, have we, have we, have we, have we played this whole movie so far uh we're getting a little more of it right here because this uh this sums it up here. so in there he's in a meeting alex has come up with a really uh, genius way for us to I don't know we had a meeting scheduled today, Sport. I didn't either. I think we should talk, Gordon. 
Would you gentlemen excuse us for a second, please? Why don't you come this way, gentlemen? Thank you, Alex. What the hell do you want? I just found out about the garage sale down at Blue Star. Why? Last night I was reading Rudy the story of Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Pot. You know what happened? Stuck his nose in the pot once too often. And, uh, he got stuck. Maybe you ought to read him Pinocchio, Gordon. I thought that you were going to turn Blue Star around, not upside down. You fucking used me. Well, you're walking around blind without a cane, pal. Fool and his money are lucky enough to get together in the first place. But why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right? I took another look at it and I changed my mind. If these people lose their jobs, they got nowhere to go. My father has worked there for 24 years. I gave him my word. It's all about bucks, kid. The rest is conversation. Hey, buddy, you're still going to be president, all right? And when the time comes, you're going to parachute out a rich man. With the money you're going to make, your dad's never going to have to work another day in his life. So tell me, Gordon, when does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? It's not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Money itself isn't lost or made. It's simply uh, transferred from one perception to another. Like magic. This painting here, I bought it ten years ago for $60,000. I could sell it today for six hundred. The illusion has become real. And the more real it becomes, the more desperate they want it. Capitalism at its finest. How much is enough for them? The richest 1% of this country owns half our country's wealth, $5 trillion. One-third of that comes from hard work. Two-thirds comes from an inheritance, interest on interest accumulating to widows and idiot sons. And what I do, stock and real estate speculation. It's bullshit. You got 90% of the American public out there with little or no net worth. I create nothing. I own. We make the rules, pal. The news, war, peace, famine, upheaval, the price of a paperclip. We pick that rabbit out of the hat while everybody sits out there wondering how the hell we did it. Now, you're not naive enough to think we're living in a democracy, are you, buddy? It's the free market. And you're part of it. Got that killer instinct. <laughs> Stick around, pal. I still got a lot to teach you. Obviously. Oh, buddy, come on. Look, I was gonna tell you about it, all right? Calm down. I right? would go up to the apartment tonight, have a little dinner, you bring dairy and No, I, I can't. I can't make it tonight. Go hey, on. buddy. Are you with me? I need to know if you're with me. I'm with you, Gordon. All right, so if you remember in the beginning of the movie, we played the uh, the scene at the bar with Charlie and his dad. We said they're polar opposites yes. at this time. You can see here the contradiction to that where Charlie Sheen is becoming a little more moral, a little more understanding of money is in everything. Um, less. Yeah. He's starting less, to see what his dad saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Less greedy. Um. Yeah. 
greed is good becomes greed is not that good. Uh, so, you know, it, it kind of calls into question, you know, the the tagline for the movie Greed is Good. But um, from here, you know, basically, uh, Gecko tells his lawyer, keep doing what you're doing. Break the fucking company up. Don't worry about it. Um, Charlie Sheen loses Darian right now because he's basically saying he's going to get out of this, um, you know, and she realizes that. Well, no more money's coming in, so I'm out of here. Uh, Charlie Sheen yeah. is, you know, yeah. selling his apartment. He's getting out, uh, doing everything he can to, you know, try to get some money back. His dad ends up having a heart attack at one point. Um, so that you know, obviously, that's another point where uh, another big speech by Charlie here. He actually sheds a tear. It's his real dad, so I didn't really, you know, that's not really an acting thing, but uh, it wasn't an acting thing. And I, I guess a quick point I wanted to make: mm-hmm. something you said earlier. It seems like we've been playing a whole movie, and we have, but for good reason, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you, you, you look at a movie like Wall Street, and it's basically a movie about numbers and stocks and bonds, and on, on paper, it sounds like it's a boring concept. But I think by playing the clips, we're adding context behind those numbers and those stocks and those bonds mm-hmm. because when you hear the context and the way they kind of like convey what those numbers mean you get a sense of why this is a good movie right. because on paper the concept of a movie like wall street could be boring to some people true true um yeah you're right it basically it, it definitely could be um bud after his dad gets uh you know has the heart attack comes up with a plan um payback payback to gordon gecko so let's uh play a little bit more of the movie here it's going up now gecko figures by breaking up blue starts with at least 30 bucks a share he'll buy up to 23 or 24 and still think he's making money how do you know it's gonna go up well i don't think you want to know any more than that duncan let's just say i have some friends right okay what happens now? All right, when it hits 23, you guys go to Gecko and you lower the boom. When he learns... Okay, real quick, who he's talking to is the majority stockholders of Blue Star. Um, he is literally setting this in motion uh, to pay back. He's doing complete insider trading without even caring about the consequences in order to save his dad's dad's airline and job here literally caution to the wind yeah. if you will yeah it's very much blatant and yeah. i think it's one of those situations where he knows he's fuck he knows fucking up now mm-hmm. but it's like it's like fuck it I'm, I'm in too deep i gotta do what i, I fucked up earlier so now i gotta kind of like fuck up a little more to fix the original fuck up yeah exactly um, and let's look. Makes at no sense what I just said, but yeah, that's basically yeah. what's going on. That's his logic right now. Yeah, yeah, and his plan goes not only to the majority stockholders of Blue Star, but he does go to see Terrence Stamp. Uh, and again, I'll play it because he can explain what he's doing better than I could. 
that he has no union concessions, he'll jump ship and sell everything he's got. Yeah, but who's gonna buy then and what's to prevent some other shark from coming along and devouring us? We have an appointment to see Mr. Wildman. Sir Lawrence, or can I call you Larry? What would you say to owning Blue Star Airlines with union concessions at $18 a share and in the process hanging Gordon Gecko out in the wind to twist? I might be very interested. Why you, mate? What's a bloke like you doing mixed up with Gecko? Well, let's just say that me and Mr. Gecko have a serious conflict of interest. But we all want to see this airline work. These figures show that it can. You're prepared to take these large salary cuts? We are, but we want a contract agreement that's ironclad. So if you buy it, you can't break it up. I'm still listening. Hi. All right. Oh, hi. Say, what? So, from here, Bud puts his plan in motion. Um, if you remember, he said he had friends. He starts basically, again, we're talking about creating a market. Uh, he's bumping his friends in to create a market. Whether he wants the market to go high or go low, he is doing both. Um, you know, obviously he 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 wants to you know you know get, get the market created. So how he's doing it again, divvying it out to everybody he knows, and um, you know that that this is where he really, but he does get back at Gecko here really bad. He dominates what's going on. Gecko is really pissed at him for doing what he's doing. He literally buys, you know, at first what he does is kill the market, which will immediately cause Gecko to get out. Once he knows Gecko is out, because, the majority, you know, he'll see that in the stock, that's when the market starts going back up and he starts telling his friends to start buying into it. Um, but yeah. again, he uh, he does get busted. Um, you know, he goes into his office the next day and uh, after this whole thing is done, but he does burn Gecko. And after this whole thing is done, he goes into his office the next day and uh, the you know police are there and uh he gets arrested i if you can follow the movie i believe the i don't know in the movie i i think they're insinuating that gecko sort of turned him in after he got so yeah. pissed at him and that's if you watch the movie yeah I think Gecko was the one who ended up, you know, I don't know if that's true, but the ins you know, the insinuation of how quick Stockwatch was on him, I believe they're saying Gecko made a phone call after being so pissed at what he did. Oh, yeah, come to think of it, he did get, I mean, from the time that he, you know, had the confrontation with Gecko in his office, said, hey, we need to talk. And that's when everything starts to come out. And then it's like the next scene, I look up, he's getting arrested. I'm like, 
Whoa, how the fuck did that happen so fast? Yeah, and it, it, it's it's sort of a cut scene that's never explained. You know, how did they come up on him so quick? But um, the next scene we get is Sheen, uh, Charlie Sheen basically uh, talking to uh, Gordon Gecko, And, you know, this is right before the end of the movie, but this is another amazing scene you know gecko ends up smacking him and you know hitting him beating him up a little bit but uh let's roll hey buddy gordon sandbag me on blue star i guess you think you taught the teacher a lesson that the uh, tail can wag the dog Well, let me clue you in, pal. The ice is melting right underneath your feet. You think you could have got this far this fast with anybody else, huh? You think you'd be out there dicking someone like Darian? No. No, you'd be cold calling widows and dentists to buy 20 shares of fucking dog shit stock. I took you in. Uh, nobody! I opened the doors for you. I showed you how the system works. The value of information, how to get it. Full of oil, brand resources, geodynamics, and this is how you fucking pay me back, you cockroach. I gave you Darianne. I gave you your manhood. I gave you everything. one of the great ones, buddy. I look at you and I see myself. Why? I don't know. I guess I realized that I'm just Bud Fox. As much as I wanted to be Gordon Gecko, I'll always be Bud Fox. Gordon didn't know is uh, Bud was wired in this scene. The cops did wire him. Um, and uh, Gordon basically gave himself up saying, I taught you how to do this, how to do that. I gave you this, I gave you that. And, um, you know, that's it. You know, basically the next scene is um, Bud Fox being carted to jail by his dad. Or not jail, but to court to see how it ends up. And we never see how it ends up, how much time he got. But um, that's it. That is the movie. Um, you know, the, this is sort of, you know, I, I guess to sort of wrap up the movie. It It is to teach a lesson um, about greed. You know, uh, greed is, you know, great to a point, but, you know, when you're sitting there and, you know, even Bud realized at one point, greed is not worth, you know, going against your family. So family, not family. Yeah, I mean, family is first. Family is number one. And that's pretty much, you know... I, 
I, I, in my opinion, the moral of this movie is families first. You know, if, if you want to sum this movie up in a, you know a couple words, families first. Yes. You know, but uh, so l- l- let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Go. No, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you on that aspect about you know family first being the main message. But when I say like you know this movie kind of like had the opposite effect, do you attribute that more to the excess of the eighties? Because you know in the eighties everything was about excess, bigger and better, right? Yeah. Or do you credit the the uh, message of this movie being twisted due to the charismatic performance of one Michael Douglas, or a combination of the two? Probably a combination of the two, but yeah, I mean this movie became so iconic. Number one, this movie became great because it's timeless. This, all this stuff still happens today. It's, 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 as long as there's a viable stock market, shit like this will always be happening. Um, So really, I mean, this can apply to any time, you know, which is another great thing about this movie, but I, 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 I think both attributed to it. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, like I said earlier in the movie, you know, you you see it in Boiler Room and all this, you know, they're all in there quoting the movie like it's fucking, you know, gospel to screw people over. And I don't know, man. I mean, the, the movie's moral became twisted. I don't know how it did, but it just did. You know? Yeah, because I've, I've read reviews on it and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I asked you that because I wanted to get like a different feel for it. They basically, every review said, Michael Douglas is so charismatic in the movie that even though you know he's a bad guy, he's a bad person, you root for him. Well, he's, he's fucking, you know. He's yeah. David Koresh. He's Braun Strowman. <laughs> he's the heel, you, he's Brock Lesnar, the heel you cheer for. Um, but yeah, and you sort of do, you almost want Gecko to win in the movie. You almost want him to fucking be the victor, but you know, it's just not the way the movie goes, but you really, there are parts in the, you know, points in the movie where you're like, holy shit, man, Gecko needs to just keep fucking making the money. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you know, I'm a Goodfellas Mart, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna make a Goodfellas slash Sopranos reference here. Mm-hmm. David Chase created the Sopranos, another right. timeless uh, show that we'll get to on the show one day. Yeah, uh, basically, Tony Soprano became an, a cultural icon to people, right? Right. You know, you rooted for Tony Soprano, and like you know, like because these aren't such bad guys. They're cool. They're your neighbors. They're funny. Ha ha ha! But every so often, if you watch The Sopranos from beginning to end, they'll hit you with these hardcore scenes of somebody getting murdered or Tony doing some heinous shit to remind you that at his core, he is not a person to look up to. Mm-hmm. I, I, it might have been Scorsese that said something about that about Goodfellas, too, where he basically said, 
it got to a it, it was a delicate balance because on one hand you had these scenes where they're funny. I'm a clown. I'm funny. I'm here to amuse you. Where you're kind of like engaging with the characters and you're starting to relate to them. Yeah. But then he'd have to hit you with something to remind you that these are not good people. Right. These exactly. aren't people to be made fun of. These aren't people that are going to laugh with you. They will kill you at the drop of a dime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, you know, you take that to this movie. These will people that will crush you at the fucking, you know, at the drop of a fucking dime. They will literally, you know, buy and sell your ass just for spite because they've got money. Just because they can. You know, I, I, even one point in the movie, you know, he says, you know, Charlie Sheen asks Gecko, why are you breaking up the company? Because it's wreckable. You know, basically that's because I can. You know, because I've got the money to fucking break it up. Now, let me ask you, though. Mm-hmm. If you, I guess in an alternate universe, mm-hmm. let's just say that uh, Bud didn't have a moral compass and that he stayed the course. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, Gordon would have been more receptive to him? He kind of like would have kind of like looked at him as almost like not even a protege, almost like a son. Type of thing. Do you think that once he found, once he kind of showed that weakness, that he's a little bit too loyal, and he has like that bleeding heart? Do you think that's the moment where he said, "I can't, I can't work with this guy"? The bleeding heart, the desperation, uh, I think all contributed to that. But man, it would have been a really, would have been a really, you know, he could have really made this a fucking series if, uh, you know, if Bud had you know, turned and just gone bad. Uh, could have been a cool little thing to the movie, but Oliver Stone's not that type of guy. That's just not the way he works. He likes the uh, he likes the one and done. He likes to wrap up a lot of things, you know, during his shit. But um, I don't know, man. And, and to be honest, all the trivia I gave out while we were talking, all the, pot- you know, the, the, the pertinent trivia that matters to the movie, um... I gave out, so uh, I'm pretty much done. Unless you got anything yeah. else, but um, I don't know, man. This the, the, this movie to me is just, I believe, timeless. One of the, you know, uh, it, it's amazing out of all of the Oliver Stone movies, this is the one he decided to do a, a sequel to. And years later, I mean, we didn't get that movie till, what, three, four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to say, was it, might have been 2007, was it? No, 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 you're right, you're right. I can't remember the exact year, but it was, it was in recent years. So it, so it might have been years. two to three years ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just amazing out of all of Oliver Stone's movies, this is the one we get a sequel of, but it's not surprising when you watch this movie that this is the one that he decided to do the sequel of. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's just, it, it, it's got everything to it. You, you almost begged for the sequel at the end of this movie. Oh my God, what, what can happen next? You know, he had you so chomping you at the bit. Box. Well, that's what it's. That, that's what every every movie should have you chomping at the bit for either a next one or, you know, something like that. So, 
you know, it just took them forever to do a fucking second part of this movie. But I'm well, I, 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 I'm going to watch it. Probably. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, speaking of sequels, I mean, I had a lot of fun reviewing this one. Mm-hmm. More fun than I actually thought I would. So, what do you say? We have to do a sequel to this show. We got to review the second one. We will. Maybe we'll uh, do it, uh, not next week, maybe the week after we'll knock it out. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest, when I first heard about the sequel to Wall Street, it was one of those things where I'm like, come on now, you're talking about over 20 years to make a sequel. You did, it, it flew under my radar. Mm-hmm. But watching this movie and like really kind of digging deep the way we have tonight, it's like, wow, I might, I might have been, I might, I might be overlooking a hidden gem. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. We'll, uh, we'll definitely get it, get it reviewed. Maybe we'll do it next week. Maybe not. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, on that note, I guess we fucking, uh, end the show, man. Uh, don't forget to check out me and Anthony next week. We will be back. Uh, Friday night, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, Mixer.com slash THT Podcast. Me and Shaheen will be on Wednesday night. We start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, right here, Mixer.com slash THT Podcast. And uh, check out Cat Morris of Yakuza Kick Radio. And uh, Shaheen, they do a little collaboration every Sunday. Uh, check them out right here on mixer.com slash THD podcast. And, uh, there you go. Anthony, thank you so much for staying awake. I appreciate it. And, um, I'll see you, you next week, bro. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'll stay up for this episode. That's, that's how you know you're dealing with a good movie. When there Anthony can stay up, you know, you're there dealing you with some, something special. And uh, stay stay tuned. Eventually, we will do uh, Days and Confused Two with Anthony's uh, commentary. Uh, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see y'all next week. Appreciate y'all listening. Later. Peace. I go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs>